Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 16. In this episode, my friends and I are discussing spiritual gifts. So that would be like speaking in tongues, uh, divine instantaneous healing, um, also sign gifts, miracles, pro- uh, prophecy, those sorts of things. And we start to talk about specifically the sign gifts lending legitimacy to the apostles and whether or not they exist today, if they would lend legitimacy to ministers in these times and in these places. This winds up transitioning into a conversation about our canon of scripture, the 66 books that we have, and whether or how we can know or feel confident that the canon that we use today, specifically as the Protestant church, is valid and should be viewed as valid. So we do spend a lot of time on that toward the end. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Hey, everybody. Fine. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Let me say it first. That's mean. That's getting to be kind of mean. Did you just steal Sam's thing? Yeah. Was that going to be Sam's thing and then you just stole it? You did. I'm just more interested to know about Sam's life, so I'm taking away the, the wall that you build. Oh, okay. Well, Sam, how are you? Not political. This is an intervention. <laughs> um, I'm I'm good. Whoa. What has what happened like that made it to where you're now good? He's still fine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the downgrade. Well, how's everybody else doing? I'm happy because David came home happy because. Uh oh. You I, met, I met someone really cool. Met someone really cool. Good. Oh, that's it? Okay. Of the female persuasion? Yeah. She's uh, biologically cool. Oh, wait, we're not allowed to talk about this, though, because he actually has a friend that has Yeah, she does this. Actually, no, he doesn't work there, so he's fine. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Fine. Wait, no. Crap. People do. Yeah, actually, wait, hang on. Yeah, don't say anything. Don't worry. Nobody, nobody listens to this. It just goes into the ether. Yeah. I'm not into stuff because she's Asian. I'm not into Asians. Yeah, they're kind of weird. And you didn't want to leave that out? Okay. Does everyone know, have we mentioned that David's Asian before? On the oh, podcast? yeah. Okay. So, so We can hear it in my accent. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> eh. Miguel, how you doing? Doing well. How's that Fruit by the Foot treating you? It is... Uh, this it podcast me. brought to you by Fruit by the Foot. <laughs> it almost killed me. Uh, I, I started to choke on it. Uh, Luckily, there was not a foot of uh, gummy snack lodged in my throat, so... Uh, only about an inch. It, that's got to be more than a foot, right? Oh, oh yeah. How many is it? Six? I want to uh, say it's almost six. <laughs> what well, says by the foot? <laughs> that would be taller than all of us. I was going to say half of that, like it's, three. I feel, I feel like it's taller than me, so it's going to be like two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. Yeah, feet. It's, it can't be half. more than three. So Wouldn't it be great if like the nutrition facts were like <laughs> we're per by inch? the foot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like serving size, one foot. I thought it was a foot long. No, it's definitely no. more than a foot long. This is like a foot long. And there's still all this rolled up. Uh, <laughs> Just come Daniel on in. Staten, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Huh. Yep. For, for a split second, we had more than one Dan in here. And now we're back down to, you know, like the, the tolerable level of Dan. There can only be one. Yes. So we have kind of thought about what we might talk about. I mean, 
kind of not really. But uh, we've thrown some stuff around. And well, Eric, we could be transparent and say we don't want to do anything political. Yeah, we we've been grounded, Eric. And we've been I'm grounded. Mm. Yeah. Even though, honestly, <laughs> I feel like they're making it a bigger deal. Than no, I'm I'm fine with us eventually, you know, talking about those no, sorts no. of things again. Not that, but you <laughs> in like, four years we can. You, get you found your scapegoats, okay? But <laughs> we didn't always choose the topics, okay? Sometimes they chose us. Am I right? <laughs> I feel like it was more of a milestone. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, and also, I mean, there have been times where we just show up. Like, what was what was the time? I think it was like maybe even episode two or three where we just you showed up at my house and I was oh, like, yeah, let's it was record. Three. And it was right. Oh, yeah. It was like the night after the election. So like, of course, of course, you know. Yeah, it was no during and right after an election. Yeah, we're gonna be political. Although it was uh, no, you just showed up and we still talking about the uh, minimum wage thing. Yeah, because it was after the, oh, yeah, duh, yeah. the election yeah. that yeah. passed the minimum wage mm. hike thing. <laughs> so, hike. Hey, so do big. miracles happen still, guys? Huh? It'll take Anchor. one if we don't talk about politics. Oh, and that will. <laughs> that joke was better in your head. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so okay, so me, let's. You cut me real deep, Travis. This is this is kind of you know something that we've been talking about. Do you want to talk just from time just, to time? Uh, limited to do miracles happen today or miracles tongues prophecy all that kind of stuff you're talking about gifts gifts giftings. yeah gifting so like is love still for this time or was love only until the canon was closed that's a funny how serious are you being because I feel like that's really funny <laughs> uh, yeah I'm definitely joking okay. with that one um, but that's a great that's something I feel like we'll have <laughs> some opinions on. Okay, here, here's one thing is when I was, when I started going to the church where I am now, I felt like I was the only cessationist, you know, someone who believes that miracles, tongues, all those things have ceased. I felt like I was the only cessationist, you know, in the church or like within a hundred miles or whatever. And now it turns out like, well, first of all, I'm trying to raise up like a, a rebel generation of cessationists at the church. Uh, so that we can, you know, take take it by storm <laughs> uh, eventually. Please. But but yeah, it turns out that there are more of us than I had thought. And I know, like you, you've kind of been in flux um, in the time that you've been at CCC, or when you were at CCC. I would say Thomas. early on in my Christianity it was much more a continuationist, um, but I'm not anymore. <clears throat> But so before we get too much further, yeah. it's like cessationist, someone who believes that miracles, tongues, prophecy, any supernatural manifestations of the spirit um, have cessed have or ceased, <laughs> you know, as the layman yeah. would say. Yeah. Uh, and then continuationist means that you believe that they are, are still happening yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Sorry. Yeah. No, um, that's that's great to, to define the terms in case anybody didn't know. But, uh, yeah, I started out as really much a continuation. And I think, honestly, um, if you're reading the Bible by yourself, you don't have, like, a denomination leading you and guiding you how a certain hermeneutic, you know, interpretation, mm -hmm. um, then I think it's hard not to be a continuationist because you're reading all these miracles. And so that's what you would expect. And it doesn't seem like there's a statement that right. says, and now we stop. Right. Yeah. So that's that's why I was a continuationist. Um, I haven't, I'm not any longer, 
Um, and uh, I was telling Dan this uh, earlier in the, in the garage, in the garage, um, that I, I'm a cessationist because I think the same reason most cessationists are cessationists, and that's because of experience, mm. because they don't see it. And it's not, you know, I've, I've heard the argument um, that, that that's not necessarily a, an authoritative kind yeah. of uh, reason, I guess. But it's it's still like, you can't deny it. You know what I mean? Miracles aren't happening everywhere all the time. There's debate as to whether they ought to be. Um, but for me, I'm just like more honest with my cessationism in that, and I'm arguing that it's more honest, that it's purely based off of experience. I don't see any scriptural support for it. But, you know, that doesn't mean that being based off experience that it isn't true and i'm also for me the jury's still out as whether that's a good thing or, or a bad thing that we don't see uh, those kind of giftings mm. and i differ from well i'm i, I think we've talked about this enough that i think i differ from you and a lot of other cessations i don't know about dan or everybody else in this room but like i was saying that i think all giftings have ceased i don't including see including love yeah, I don't see a supernatural element to any of what we would call the gifts. Okay. So that's my point. It's like if I if I don't see like people are purport or reporting that they're speaking in tongues and Sam and I have been in churches where that's happening and I don't see anything supernatural about it. I think they're just um kind of shutting off a like I don't know if it's cognition. I don't think it's cognition. But it's like they're just not thinking about it and they're just letting their mouth make noises well yeah i mean we were specifically told to practice right it. but but then how, there was how were you told to practice it we, were, heard told, this we story, were told but... to repeat abba over and over and over again until we started speaking gibberish abba abba, abba well abba. they would say until we started speaking in tongues but we right. clearly we did this for about 15 minutes it was pretty awkward and the 15 guy 15 minutes with the guy yeah, yeah. Like, like well he kept 15 minutes yeah he kept like we're not even 10 minutes into this podcast but like seriously yeah. 15 minutes yeah. Wow, was that this is... part of like a church service, or was yes. this like you meeting with something? Like part part of the service, just like all right, everyone just repeat. No, 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 so no, no, no. They had a card and they asked, you know, what you know are your needs, or whatever. And, and there was always this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we asked, what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they told us, and we're like, well, I, Sam, and I have not been baptized. Was this a church that believed that unless you have spoken in tongues, you're no. not saved? Okay, no. no, okay. And the pastor even was like, I never spoke in tongues until. I don't I don't remember how far along, but he was already in like seminary and he's like, it mm. just happened and I don't get it, but it happened. Mm. Um, by the way, one of the times he was speaking in tongues, I do remember clearly him saying the word enchilada and he paused because he kind of freaked out. Whoa. But uh, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I mean, <laughs> out of all the things, because it's all gibberish. But if God wants to talk to us about enchiladas, I need to know what he's saying. Right. <laughs> he's like. <laughs> Are these yeah. good? Are they a, like a <laughs> communion substitute? Like, can we have, <laughs> can we have Baja Blasts and enchiladas? Oh, wow. Of the... mm. It was really fun. But um, anyway, so we, we say that to the guy, and I it felt like, you know, like a car salesman. And he's yeah. like trying to pitch it yep. to us, and he's like, do this. Pressure mm -hmm. sell. Abba, Abba, yeah. Abba. And we're doing Abba. And every now and again, he'd come back. He's like, all right, guys, what's what's going on? Yeah, and, why, are, why isn't it working, basically? And it's like, <laughs> well, we... if. If we knew, yeah, like we just stop that yeah. thing. What is Abba? 
Isn't that Abba like means father. Abba, yeah. yeah. In, is it uh, Arabic? Is it not like a band? <laughs> Hebrew, right? Oh. Uh, Abba. Sweet. Oh, Abba. Yeah, we have we have a Hebrew. I think it's it's uh, it's gonna come directly from Aramaic, but Aramaic Hebrew, so it's gonna be like my father. It's a it's more tender okay. than my father. It's more like uh, Papa. Okay. Right. Uh, is Father Ab? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think the band is Abba. Abba, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. which Abba, is Swedish. Right? Abba is, and father. the show is Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, yeah. Gabba Gabba, <laughs> the kids' show. I think so. I think so. I've never seen it. Yeah. Speaking of Abba, um, I, re- I remember there was a series on Francis Chan. They talked about speaking uh, in tongues. Father. Well, not speaking or, in oh. tongues, like mm-hmm. crying, the spirit crying out to the Father Abba. Mm-hmm. If we're saved Christians, we yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we have that. Our spirit has that desire. Right. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. was paralleling that to mm-hmm. um, his experience as a father. And her, when his daughter sees him up there speaking, he does, she doesn't recognize him as a pastor. He no, She knows that's her daddy, so she runs out mm. and gives him a oh, hug. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Daddy. Interesting. And I think, is that, does that come from Galatians 4? Anyone want to... If they're willing to check me, I, I think it's Galatians. The yeah. that, I think that's why they're going to. The spirit go to is Abba. at work within us, and, he, and the, the spirit same. by which we call out Abba Father, which yeah. I think is why they go to Abba because mm. they're going, they're connecting it to the verse. Well, the spirit says oh, it cries really? out Abba Father. Oh, I didn't know. I think that's if, if I'm, might I might be getting my reference wrong, but I think it's in Galatians four, possibly. So or what? Another reference. We were definitely. What was the end yeah, of that? Galatians, uh, Galatians four. So what he, he said it's it's it's. Uh, are you checking the verse? Verse 6. Yeah. And because you are sons of God, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Yeah, so, this, right. so the spirit's cries, and that's, I, think, I believe that's where they would connect it. So it ended with us trying, and every now and again he's checking up on us and why, and we're like, oh no, we're just doing it, and it's mm-hmm. not happening. And then he eventually just said to us, okay, it's, it's fine. You're just, just heathens. Get no. Out. Well, no, <laughs> he, said, he said practicing, yeah. practicing your car while you're driving. Like riding a bicycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you? No. No. No, you didn't like wait, drive wait. down the street what and go was the, like Abba, riding Abba, the bicycle Abba, Abba. like you'll eventually get it to or how to speak oh. with tongues yeah mm-hmm. but but here's enchilada <laughs> right <laughs> i'm sorry but, but, um jaw <laughs> oh i got slightly startled what's gonna do it's hilarious um <laughs> Um, I hope the sound of that came on the podcast. Yeah. It just, it was the people click. are listening to me just shouting out out of nowhere. Show I got slightly up. startled. Oh, oh, don't worry. Every background noise okay, does show up. I got to keep the flavor. <laughs> Let um, people know what hood this is make from. Make sure they know it's in a woodshed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just want to mention this, that the church that we were going to, this is a church we went to on Wednesdays, our actual like home church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told that to the pastor. It, they were a Pentecostal church, and he criticized that. He said that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. What you gotta say is no enchilada, enchilada but but it doesn't. It didn't really I'm matter because it, it like either or, they were both. And now now both pastors were saying like I didn't believe it, and it just happened. But it it amounted to the same thing. Like I could tell you exactly how the pastor of Pentecostal church sounded. It was a shantalamasia. He would repeat that a lot. Mm-hmm. Then the guy over at the other church who said enchilada he would make it sound like italian it's like protecci sarabatacha carapadut and he just said enchilada one time and i think he recognized it mm-hmm. but anyways um there was just it's like nonsense mm-hmm. nobody's first interpreting. of all it's interpreting yeah. Yeah. which if you actually look in I, th- I think it's 14 which talks about that 
um, it's not that every time you do it, there will be an interpreter, but just that if you do it publicly, publicly. To yeah, the publicly right. within the body. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we were actually at our at our roundtable last night at church. Um, a couple of the students had asked questions about prophecies and uh, things like that, and I was pointing out like there are multiple gifts in the New Testament that all seem to be referred to as the gift or gifts of tongues. Mm-hmm. So like what happened at the day of Pentecost was a gift of tongues. What would happen, you know, it, the the thing that happened on the day of Pentecost is not <clears throat> the thing that would happen in the, the church service because you wouldn't need an interpreter for that because everyone would understand it in their own tongue, mm-hmm. right? And then apparently there is this like prayer language that happens in private and mm-hmm. you just kind of, like it's the spirit somehow it was, I'm going to use past tense verbs, mm-hmm. uh, it was the spirit ministering, you know, comfort to individuals like mm-hmm. even in their in their prayer lives you know their mm-hmm. private prayer lives mm-hmm. so mm. yeah i i agree with that but it's like i've never been in a church where i've seen it happen and then someone was like okay let me interpret this well does scripture specifically say that if if real tongues is interpreted it would be by someone else it does say in First Corinthians fourteen, like that it's not going to be more more than two or three people at a time, mm-hmm. and that it will be interpreted. So I don't know if that or without an interpreter. So I don't know if that necessarily means another person or right. if the person speaks it mm-hmm. and then they're like, guys, I know that just came out as gibberish, but I understand what the spirit was speaking mm-hmm. to me and through me, and the message is, and I would expect the message to be something like. There's going to be a famine in Jerusalem and we need to go send, you know, our brothers some relief, mm-hmm. um, which I know that didn't specifically happen with Agabus, like mm-hmm. in, in a manifestation of tongues. But it seems to me that it would be very immediate, practical, practicable um, knowledge and not just mm-hmm. like God loves you. Right. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say is that in the church that Eric's been talking about and other Pentecostal churches I've attended, were both it, of these churches Pentecostal, or was it yeah. one at, like at AOG? The time, or? At the time, they both. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that one that we went to Wednesday night was technically. They were they were Pentecostal in the sense yeah. that they were charismatic. They had all they the, were not the assemblies theology. Of God, though. I used to go to assemblies of God yeah. before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, in in all the cases that I can remember, it's if anyone was interpreting, it was the person who also spoke the gibberish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and it was, and it was uh, to your point, that's where I was getting at, uh, Travis, is that it was never anything specific. specific yeah. It was always blessings of God and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's opening doors for people and that sort of thing. It's like yeah. it was never anything in particular. Yeah, when I was in Argentina, I had a, a woman pastoress uh, <laughs> prophesy over me, and it was like, I couldn't, because she was speaking Spanish, and I was not really that good with Spanish at the time, and uh, and but I did notice whenever the language stopped being Spanish, and I was like, okay, I don't know what she's speaking right now, mm-hmm. but I am pretty confident that that's not Spanish, and I looked at the guy next to me, and we're like two fundamentalists, you know, he's a pastor in his 50s, and uh, you know, I was probably, I guess I would have been 21 at the time, and uh, I looked at him. And he was like, yeah, she's, she's doing the thing. And <laughs> then I asked him at the end, you know, if anyone had interpreted or, or what the person was, was prophesying over me. And he just said, like, she was just saying, like, you're going to have a ministry that's going to touch people's lives. Mm. And it's like, well, I'm already in the ministry. So, 
And like she knew that it wasn't like, oh, you're going to be in the ministry. Like we we were sitting, we were invited to come and sit up at the front because we were visiting and we were both like people who were involved in ministry. Um, so, yeah, it's just never been anything jaw dropping. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say like also scripture, like Paul says, the tongues are assigned to non-believers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, unless there are non-believers around. I'm not quite sure why because prophecies to edify the church and tongues were to pretty much um like like a sign against believers because here's the truth being spoken but you sign can't understand against believers yeah uh unbelievers i mean sorry. okay sorry uh because here's the word spoken and you can't understand it. it's like there but but and and like kind of like a reach but also too far um but, but we never see it in that way either you know what I mean? In in today's churches. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But and tongues tongues is just one thing. You know, yeah. prophecy is another thing and healings. Mm. And instantaneous I've... healings. Like yeah. I'm always mm. careful to say instantaneous healings because mm -hmm. I believe, you know, if, if someone has cancer or some kind of illness, like we are supposed to pray for them. And I even mm -hmm. believe that it's still legitimate, you know, for elders to go and pray for them and anoint mm -hmm. them and, and all that kind of stuff. But the idea that the elders are going to show up at the hospital and this person who you know, has stage four esophageal cancer is just going to like all of a sudden feel great and like get out of bed and be like, holy cow, I, I'm a hundred percent cured. Uh, I would say that mm -hmm. that's not for today. You know, something that's really upset me over the last couple of years that I've heard more than once is scenarios like that, where in more Pentecostal type churches, if, if that scenario arises and you're praying for that person and they're not healed, then you're told, you're you're you didn't have enough faith yeah, for that person yeah. to get healed dude it's your you fault. Do not, oh, with, no. with nicole having had health issues pretty much the whole time we've been married mm -hmm. you do not how you do not know how many times people have said like y you just need to have more faith right and, i mean uh, you know not like ccc people telling it mm -hmm. but there are people who have like visited man i remember one christmas eve service that we had and there was like this couple that was visiting and the husband was like yeah we have a healing ministry like we go around and we we pray for people uh to be healed and he was talking to um, to me and Nicole. And so he's like, so would you be okay if we like prayed for you and, and you know, ministered healing to you right now? And it's like he prayed and it's not like anything changed. It's not like she has, you know, a, a, like she's in a wheelchair or something like that, but he prayed for her. And uh, then it was, it was like, okay, he, he was just kind of done praying. And I think he realized that we weren't really super into it, which Nicole's way more open to this type of stuff than I am. But even she was like, this seems kind of, you know, like a ruse. And he was like, so if you keep praying like every day and having faith, you know, in your prayers, then those prayers will heal you. That's what he kind of said at the end. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of like, all right, you know, you just kind of shuffled away. He did. Buy a lottery ticket every day, you eventually win. <laughs> I mean, eventually. will you? Will you? Is all now I'm asking are all of you guys sensationist? Sensationist. I'm a sensationist. With a <laughs> and you are sensational. Uh, I you know I have an asterisk. I believe that in places where the complete word of God is not uh, you know has not penetrated and they don't have Bibles and maybe they've never heard the word before, I'm more open to the idea of miracles, <clears throat> tongues, uh, healing prophecy happening in those communities but not in places where we're we are fat with the with the knowledge of who god is and we just hold it I, at arm's length yeah i i do agree with that 
I, I don't think miracles happen in the United States. I don't believe miracles happen in second world countries either. Can, what's a second world country? I don't know. It's, it's communist yeah, country. Yeah. I was like, technically I, a second world country is the USSR. But yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't believe miracles happen in the United States. Uh, the reason is, it's because like what you said, there's everyone, every American, adult American knows who God is, what God mm-hmm. is, knows about the Bible, and like, and there's a church at every corner. And, um, they have the availability. Yeah. I wouldn't say that yeah. a lot. Everyone knows. Yeah, and especially I, I was... like there's still indigenous populations that have really been isolationist. Mm-hmm. So if you went to like an Arapaho or like a Navajo um, reservation, and it's like if they've never heard, then I'm still mm-hmm. even open to it happening there. Mm-hmm. But I get what you mean, like yeah. in uh, in and, places that have the yeah. knowledge. And I will say like I would, every time I have this like kind of argument, um, I always just go back to like Luke 19. I'm like. That's, I think that's a perfect example. Like, it just doesn't happen in America. I don't have that so, chapter memorized yet. Can it's you... like, it's uh, with Lazarus and the poor man. It's okay. like, uh, it's like when Lazarus is like, oh, let me go back and tell my brothers mm-hmm. so they don't. And he, oh, and the rich man's like, hey, like, they have the word of Moses. Like, that's yeah. enough. And I even if one rises from the dead, mm-hmm. yeah. and they I feel, still won't believe. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I feel like here, like, people, if, if, if in the United States, if someone did a miracle, no one would believe it. Just because if someone saw on the internet, they're like, oh, that's not real. Like, mm-hmm. there's so mm-hmm. much, so much you can do with the camera. Mm-hmm. And I just don't believe miracles would ever happen in uh United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, I'm, I'm going to say it to myself, if I saw a miracle happen on camera, I I don't know if I would believe it. Just because, yeah. It's, it's I've on seen camera. miracles happen on camera. Yeah, I've seen Passion of the Christ. Actually, I have not. I have not seen that movie. Mm-hmm. But, but I, uh, I just, I just want to believe it. But, like, if, but there are people who I do trust, I really do trust, they say they have seen miracles. And that just, and yeah. it's all. It, it does always happen in like a third world country. David, so, your sisters were actually some of the ones that were asking the questions at roundtable. It was really cool, yeah. um, engaging with them on that. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I, I do, but I do believe miracles still happen, just not in the United States. So, like France, <laughs> yeah, France. <laughs> mm-hmm. other third world countries. <laughs> uh, can we put, um, I guess, parameters around what you're saying? Um, you know, you're, Travis, uh, you know, you're kind of saying, <clears throat> you're saying, um, we, we very loosely have defined, uh, sensationalists and, um, so, so I don't know if that's the full definition or if that's just like a, uh, a, I mean, General yeah, dif- different people are going to hold that set mm-hmm. of beliefs to various degrees. Mm-hmm. Like some of them, uh, there are some people that are like, I'm absolutely closed off to it happening anywhere at any point. Uh, and then there are some people like me who have an asterisk. There are some people who would be even even closer to like more open than I am. But they would still call themselves cessationists, maybe just because they believe that the majority of those sorts of gifts are. Um, I, I know, guess that's kind of where, where my question was going was, yeah. is there reason to believe uh well i don't believe uh prophecy any uh is still capable of happening but i do believe that speaking in tongues like is there anything that would lead i'm sure there are people who believe that yeah i'm sure there are but i'm talking about like is there any they'd have their reasons you know like uh i i i don't know i don't think i've ever met anyone like that but it's almost like if you can imagine a flavor of of uh belief then there's probably 
a sect somewhere that holds it. I think most cessationists are like that, but it isn't with prophecy. That what they do, and, and, and I don't do this because I don't think it's, it's natural to how scripture is written, is they create two categories of gifts. One that they would call miraculous, and the other one they would call, I don't know what they call it, but it's not that one kind of One supernatural and one non-supernatural, right. yeah. But to me, all the gifts are supernatural. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that really, if, and this is why I was getting back to being honest, is like if, if a lot of cessationists and, and the ones that are really outspoken... Um, I would say like John MacArthur, for instance, because he's really an outspoken and his mm -hmm. his group, Ligonier Ministries, yeah. I feel like. That's not his group, but. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, he's kind of affiliated with it. Wait, who did you say? Ligonier? No, who? MacArthur. 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 Yeah, the, he's the master's. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. He has Ligonier his own, is, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they are tight. I mean, yeah. even though Ligonier is, um, you know, more Presbyterian mm -hmm. and. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, I see Sprola. Right. Uh, so they they would I don't I don't think they're they're being honest about it because uh, the, the the vision of gifts calling something supernatural and something natural. I, I just don't see that, you know, so um, I would say that most of them are in that category where they will say no tongues, but this is still around. And my argument would be what, what do you mean by this? Love, administration. Yeah, you could say love, administration, encouragement, serving, mm -hmm. teaching. Okay. And I would ask, where's the evidence that that's a gifting from the Spirit? And you would say, and I've heard this, and it's actually really compelling, and I'm still not sure that I have a response to it. You would say, um, like me, Travis, I, uh, if I believe that prophecy is a gift, then I believe it will be 100% accurate 100% of the time. And there's no margin of error, right? It's yeah. like if someone makes a prophecy, even if they've prophesied a thousand other things, and then they prophesy one thing and it doesn't come true, it's like okay, that's you know you're you're operating outside of the spirit when you. Um, but then on you'd that, say on that prophecy or well, on all previous. That, that's all that's what's gonna here. have to be. That's what's gonna have to be <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. parsed out because right. then it's like okay, if anyone quote teaches end quote in the spirit then everything they teach would have to be true. So, like, we couldn't say uh, John Piper has the spiritual gift of teaching and also I think that he's wrong when it comes to... Uh, Continuationism. I... Oh, yeah, when it comes to continuationism. <laughs> um, the irony of that. But... Because if that's true, then and, and that's the thing you have to parse, is, like, is it if a prophet uh, prophesies all these true things and then they prophesy a lie that none of the previous true things were legitimately inspired by God or is it okay to kind of isolate the instances and to judge based on the instances I say for the sake of what prophecy is where Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 14 that is to edify the church a, a prophecy that errs is not going to edify the church. A prophecy. But is yeah. that like the, just the individual prophecy, like that instance? Or are you talking about that person's entire ministry of prophecy is now void? Well, it's easy to discern, easier to discern prophecies that have to do something with like future telling, mm -hmm. like like Agabus and saying yeah. there's a mm -hmm. famine. Okay, well, the famine didn't happen, Agabus. So, you know, one, one get strike. Get out of here. Yeah. You <laughs> get out of here. Um, so like that, but if it's a, if it's a, Maybe not so much a future telling prophecy, but one that that kind of has to do with a, a knowledge that's supernatural. 
maybe about someone or something or a whole church. Okay. Um, you know, it's like those are harder to discern because it's like, mm -hmm. um, how do we know that they were wrong? You know what I mean? Like, cause then it's going to be a he says, she said, and everything. I honestly think that the only way these gifts make sense is if they're all happening. Because they, they, they will corroborate each other, right? So where you'll see prophecy in tongues, you also see healing and, you know, uh, words of knowledge, faith that apparently is more than just a trusting, because it's, it's called miraculous. Um... You know, these things would all, if they're all happening and you see that a body is equipped that way, then then there's really not going to be that doubting. And it's like, hey, you know, I know you're saying that what this prophet said is wrong, but he's in this church and there are signs of God everywhere there where I'd have to ask for your signs. This goes back to what uh, I want to go back to what you were saying about, like in America. What David was saying? Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, you were saying, but uh, David was saying as well that. You know, in, in America or maybe countries where they already have churches and the word has been preached, there are no uh, none of these signs. I also don't agree with the idea that because the word has been preached, because there's churches, because there's the Bible, that all of a sudden that means that gifts are no longer needed. Because, especially nowadays, how do you start to discern between, with as many denominations, and this is, I mean, I don't want to say it's just a Protestant problem. But especially true of Protestants, because we're so scattered with different, you know, denominations and whatnot. How do you navigate that when you don't have, like, a supernatural weight to, to tip the scales on which, where you go? Mm. It, it becomes kind of difficult, and you kind of need those signs there. Not so much to believe, uh, to have the initial faith, but to... To try to walk that path that I think God wants you to walk, right? It, it just becomes difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think part of it is like, this is something that God has expected of his people in in various times throughout yeah. redemption history. Like I think of, uh, so I've, I've heard it said, and I, I'm this might be wrong, but I've not been able to um, parse out like or, or solve if it is wrong. Um, that people assume miracles have happened throughout all the Bible, all time, and then, like, you know, the cell phone camera was invented and now they don't happen anymore. But yeah. in the reality, it's like you have only three times in the Bible when miracles happen. Moses and his disciple, Joshua, Elijah and his disciple, Elisha, and then Jesus and his disciples, okay? And nowhere else in the Bible do we see miraculous sign like, uh, look, pay attention to me, I'm the legit prophet here, you know, my, this is a, a shepherd's staff and it's going to become a snake, um, we don't see those things at other points in the Bible. And so if that is true, which, I mean, correct me if that is wrong, but, like, if that's true, then it's no wonder you get to all these other times in the Bible, like, where is it? I think it's, like, at the end of Second Kings where um, the king Ahab is like, oh, bring the prophets of the Lord so they can prophesy to me and tell me uh, if I should go into this battle. And all the prophets are like, yeah, do it. Like, you're the best. You're awesome. Like, you're going to have success. And then Ahab goes... Okay, did we ask all the prophets? And uh, then somebody goes, well, there's this one guy. Was it Micaiah, right? Yeah, Micaiah. And it's like, but I don't like asking him because he only ever prophesies, mm -hmm. like, he's a bummer. He only he only mm -hmm. prophesies against me. And he's like, well, we should probably ask him too. And Micaiah comes out and he's like, oh, go to the battle. You're awesome. You're going to win. <laughs> and he's like, tell me what God is actually telling you. And he goes, you're going to die if you go to that battle. Mm -hmm. And uh, And then one of the other prophets, like, 
harasses Micaiah and is like, oh, that's not true. And like, oh, King, you're great. You know, go do your thing. And then sure enough, he rides into battle and he dies. Mm. Um, so it's like, it's no wonder that the Sanhedrin or, you know, just what whatever the court was, wasn't like, oh, this is obviously the king of, or, or the prophet of the Lord because he's done this sign. And then these guys are obviously legit because, you know, Micaiah's snake staff ate all of their snakes or whatever it is, kind of like with Moses and the magicians of mm -hmm. Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, now, granted, you do still have prophesying of the future that winds up either coming true or not coming true, but then it's like, well, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, yeah. if you wouldn't have gone to that battle, you wouldn't have died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that could still be a help, but it's like, we don't see those signs. I, I, am I wrong? Like, are there ones that I'm kind of missing out on? Or Well, I, I don't know if I would uh, put three periods like you did okay i'm doing the jeremy three um well because like would you consider like daniel to fall in the elijah and his disciple did he perform sign miracles i mean he interpreted dreams and so did joshua that's a that would, or joseph sorry. i would say that that's a miracle and miracles well, were happening so the way the way i define miracle is like the supernatural acting upon the natural in such a way that it breaks the laws of nature and this is going to be the third time that Dan has heard this, but it's like you've seen the Matrix, yeah. And uh, you know, Agent Smith or all the other agents, like they can bend the rules of the Matrix, but like Neo can break them, right? And so, uh, if if Samuel has cancer and we all start to pray for him, and like over the course of weeks and months, his body is able to to fight it and overcome it, I wouldn't say that there's a law of nature that's been broken, but like if is Sam those... has been blind since birth and we know him and like he's like and and then I just say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth receive your sight and then he can see or like if a if a virgin gives birth that's breaking the laws of nature. So do you consider prophecy to be a miracle? I I don't because it doesn't uh it doesn't break a law of nature. Okay. Like uh like turning water to wine or defying gravity, you know, floating up into heaven. Those break a law of nature. So like interpreting dreams, even like tongues, you know, uh, and, and prophecy as far as telling the future, I don't, I, I almost count miracle as a separate category, Okay. but I would still count them as supernatural giftings. Right. Hmm. Would, would, what about Daniel's friends in the fire? That was a miracle. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's, that's God himself. It seems, you right. know, right. uh, right. um, bringing about the miracle. Yeah, that's a good one. I think the like, the, the, the fish could be because yeah. that could be a resurrection. Mm -hmm. If he came back from the dead, hey, yeah. you were just uh, he's he's reading yeah. through yeah. Jonah in Hebrew right now with his Hebrew. <laughs> and if we uh, want to take if we want to take Jesus as an as an authoritative translator or an interpreter hey, of scripture, he says that, that is a, that is a resurrection narrative. Huh. Um, yeah, and I think, so you would say that Jonah died. No, I would say that the point of it is that Jonah goes through this cycle of death and resurrection okay. but not that he necessarily literally maybe he talks as if he's dead so the narrative functions as if there's jonah he gets thrown over he talks like he's dead then he comes back on land again and jesus says that the, that's the sign of jonah that he's giving to yeah, them yeah. that, that yeah. the christ would die buried I, three days and come back i thought the sign of jonah was the preaching kind of like I, I mean I it, he does one. he does talk about the mm -hmm. the resurrection but it's like um because he says that right next to where he says uh, you know, the, the queen of Ethiopia is going to mm -hmm. rise up in mm -hmm. judgment to this generation because she sought mm -hmm. uh, after 
Solomon because of hearing of his great works and mm -hmm. somebody he is here doing mm -hmm. greater works than the works of Solomon. Mm -hmm. And then he says something about like uh, the people of Nineveh will rise up in judgment against this generation mm -hmm. because um, they repented at the sign of Jonah mm. and uh, what is it? Oh, we should look this up. Mm -hmm. Someone can look it up if you want. My phone's the recording device right now. Um, what is but, it? Uh, that, that they repented at the sign of Jonah. And does it say the sign of Jonah or the preaching of Jonah? The preaching and of Jonah. The, 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 the passage I'm talking about is a different one. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking okay. about when he says to, you know, you evil and crooked generation, yeah. I'll give you no in the, signs in the heart except, of the for, earth. except yeah. for the sign of Jonah. As as Jonah mm -hmm. was in the belly of the whale That's for three right. days and three That's nights, right. so the heart, the son of man will be Yeah, and so the way that I would distinguish it is, and that's usually how it's talked about, is the sign gifts versus the spiritual gifts. The sign gifts being a specific miraculous event to stamp the divine approval of a messenger, which would make sense why it would be Moses and Elijah and Jesus the three figures that are on the Mount yeah. of Transfiguration, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly, which is law, prophets, and then Jesus' administration. So that's scripture yeah. um, nestled there, and then they go away, and it's just Jesus. But I think that's helpful to kind of distinguish the hmm. sign gifts being something that stamps to say this. So you have the, the tongue gifts during the preaching of Pentecost showing that this new church is connected to the old and has the divine seal of approval right. on it that's usually why the cessationists will say we don't believe the sign gifts are still around because there's no new revelation that needs to be stamped approval the canon's closed um god's not giving new scriptures to people so you don't need to authenticate scripture message messages mm -hmm. because it's already been given the you know yeah. uh, the signs of moses were given to authenticate the torah the signs of elijah given to authenticate the prophets and then you've got signs of jesus authenticates mm -hmm. his ministry and so and they, the same argument would go with, like, demonic activity, that during the time of Christ, there was a lot more demonic activity than we would mm. normally expect. So it may still go on, but that was a specific period in time when the devil was very, very active. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's a helpful category to kind of see different periods in history. And the big the big question is, is what's happening in Scripture, when you're interpreting the, some Scripture, is it descriptive or prescriptive mm. should we be expecting all these things to be happening or is it describing what did happen mm. so when they're going around speaking in tongues doing miracles in the early church is that saying that's what happened or is that saying we should expect that for all time mm. i think scripture in my personal opinion i think scripture more gives guardrails against abuses of versus saying here's what you should expect like mm. these gifts you should expect it's more of when these gifts are happening, this is the abuses to seek out and make sure that they're valid. Here's the test to make sure that's valid. Um, make sure it's not disordering uh, here. Make sure that it's edifying. It's not about the person. It's about the message. Um, so I think that's a, a helpful, helpful thing as well. Hmm. That's, that's a really good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I would ask is then what, what necessarily builds up the body then? Bodybuilders? Bodybuilders. Weight. Weights, <laughs> protein, as in uh, the, the church. So, what edifies the, the church now? The gifts, yeah. The oh, so the gifts you still believe the gifts are still around, yeah, but not the sign gifts. Um, okay, but and what are what are the two you said sign gifts and the sign, the what, sign gifts and spiritual, gifts. yeah, spiritual. and the sign gifts are a section under spiritual <laughs> gifts, but they're designated for a certain time for a certain purpose, right? So, um what what I'm asking is mm -hmm. if 
So you, okay, so you have the sign gifts and then you have these gifts, but why were there why were they both needed? For the first century? Yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah. it went a little beyond the first century, at least if we, I don't know, I, I would say. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, when I see the sign gifts being used in the New Testament, I see them authenticating the New Testament. Because that right. was the big question, is this Jesus is around, and he's saying that there's more to the scriptures than just the Old Testament. Yeah. That's a big claim. I mean, we take it for granted yeah, now, but that was a big claim to say, to, back that up. to say that he, Absolutely. as a person, is continuing the story of scripture, and so the miracles authenticate that. And you do have a pretty steady decline after the first century of Absolutely. a lot of those not not all not all uh, supernatural things, but just those specific right, types right. of miracles. Even Paul, who you know has he gets bit and he gets healed and does healings, mm -hmm. he'll write to Timothy and say, "Take a little wine for your stomach." Not hang on, I'll come heal you. Yeah, that's, so it almost seems or like just have enough faith and yeah, God will heal you. It almost you seems know? like the, the those gifts come and go. Yeah. Like, right. Um, versus being like, oh, I'm a healer. I'm always going to be spiritually healing people. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, kind of no, like uh, Samson and the... Yeah. Oh, man, do we count Samson? Yeah, I didn't think about that. But the spirit right. falling on, on Samson. Ooh, yeah, I guess I guess that shakes my theory, too. Because Samson, those those are definitely miracles. I mean, you know, he I, picks up the gates of a city and carries them, what, spiritual like, miles? Or, like, like it's the spirit empowerment, I wouldn't say. You wouldn't call that a miracle? Not in the same way that we're using miracles of, like, divine, like, Stamp ex nihilo kind of stuff. Right, right. Like, Jesus makes okay. multiple bread and fish out of nothing. Mm. That's creation language. That's, yeah. to me, that's that's a miracle. Mm. Um, like like you were saying, the difference between bending and breaking. Yeah. yeah. Like, using the natural mm -hmm. in a function, like, supercharging the natural. That's right. Instead of just like, this is other than natural. Yeah. And right. that's how I would define the spiritual gifts. A supercharge of the natural gifts God created you with. Right. So you're That's someone... how you would define the spiritual gifts. That's how, that's one of the ways I would. I would, I, so I think sometimes hmm. it could be, you, you know, when someone's gifted, they're gifted with something completely that they weren't in their wheelhouse. And all of a sudden God gives that, that gift to them. But I think, you know, God knitted you together and your woman knew your life's plan. So he would have the natural bends for you, and then, yeah. and then when the spirit comes, you get the gifting, and that that so supercharges and gives you a heart to have an energy to do that more than you naturally would. Does the does the supercharging in your, in your view, does that last as long as the ministry, or is that all just come comes and goes? To me, from what I know of scripture, and I'm, I could a hundred percent be wrong or have missed some points, it sounds like you if you're not using it actively, you'd lose it. Not lose it permanently, but it diminishes. <laughs> You're saying if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, are you? I would are say you, in a different way. Are but. you invoking like the language of uh, that Paul uses to Timothy to like work out the the gifts that were laid on, like with the laying on of hands that were bestowed to him? I'm trying to think. There's. I thought there was a, a time when Paul talks about how if you're not employing your gifts um, faithfully, they they diminish. Hmm. And so, because the, the call is not to like find your gifts, the call is you need to be using them. Hmm. Is the way that I, at least from what I've seen in the New Testament, it's more of a, you know, you've got these, go use them. Then, uh, you know, let's figure out what these are and spend a lot of time thinking about them. That makes sense. That, that makes that reminds me of so my first job. I worked at Chick Fil A, and there were a bunch of people from Sam's and Eric's uh, Christian College there, and uh, I was a I was a fundamentalist, and so it was like whenever whenever anyone would start working there. They would ask you, like, just all the people front of house, back of house, they would ask you three questions. They'd be like, what are, what's your spiritual gift? What is your love language? 
and uh, what's your Myers Briggs? Mm. Like those were the ones that they would ask, or or maybe not Myers Briggs, but some personality, whatever whatever the trendy personality mm. test at the time was. So maybe yeah. like DISC. You remember that was another DISC one. Was is, another a, one. A, is a big one. But anyway, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, I More? remember when they when they asked me what yeah. my spiritual gift was, I just said love, and they were like, "Oh man, that's so great! Like that's so <laughs> profound." And I was like. Yeah, <laughs> just spirit-empowered love right here, you know? <laughs> um, is there a way to distinguish when it's a supercharge? When, you, when your hair stands up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Low yeah. <laughs> How do you know when you're, like, spiritual you wake up gifted in electricity you <laughs> your fingers? Yeah, I think it's more... Because it's less of, like, an infinity stone that now you have and you've got this power to wield around. And more of the spirit changing you and equipping you for service. So if someone uh, really has a like a heart and a desire for something, I think that's part of the spirit leading them in. So I see gifting is less like, you know, you become this amazing supercharger. You're the perfect best at it. And more of like, man, I really have a heart for that. I can't stop myself from wanting to do it. Like for me, service, is I think, is one of my giftings in I can't stop my heart from wanting to serve. Mm. And I sometimes can't stop myself even when I get exhausted from serving. Mm. I feel like that is a way that the spiritual gifts work, where the spirit is saying, your heart is poured out for this. And I think there is an, a way you get better at it. You're um, in a way that isn't just progress from your natural, like, oh, I learned this skill. It's a little bit of a quicker, um, you like you learn it a little bit quicker, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think it's as as miraculous as like, you know, you wake up one morning and you can just do something crazy. I think I think God is pleased to kind of sometimes fuse the supernatural and natural together in a way, which I think is what we see with scripture. It's a perfect um uh fused together of human authors writing with human genres but completely divine and spirit inspired. Mm. And I think a lot of times when God does do things that are supernatural, we kind of write them off as natural and stop being impressed by them when it Ooh. is the spirit working, but through the natural. Uh, okay, so let me give you a scenario. Absolutely. Okay, you have uh, a pastor of a church. Mm -hmm. Okay. And his, in your view, his a lot of his teachings are right, but some of them are wrong. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you uh, understand what's going on there, right? Because mm -hmm. if he's saying that he has this spiritual gift you know every mm -hmm. now and again or however mm -hmm. you want to describe it a supercharge mm -hmm. uh what's like i get supercharge and regular charge yeah yeah but yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. but what what about the opposite of like a supercharge where it's like it's a false teaching mm -hmm. how, how does someone who's equipped by the spirit for god to mm -hmm. edify and to lead and pastor mm -hmm. have a false teaching and that mm -hmm. and that's a and that we would describe and it false as, teaching is like he his interpretation wasn't correct or false teaching like he's trying to lead people astray no uh, you, I, I would you, say you go with the first one the first one so it's like you're wrong on like okay let's assume which I, i'm gonna say it this way because i think we're all on this like let's assume that god's view of baptism is credo baptism right and not mm -hmm. infant baptism yeah uh and then like there's a pastor that he has all these things mm -hmm. and then like he takes the infant baptism view or Sure. Yeah, I wasn't gonna name names. Mm -hmm. He's dead now, so he knows. I missed that. <laughs> okay, so like, uh, how do you, how do you? Yeah, I I don't see anywhere where the spiritual gifts give us infallibility. Right. So I think it's that's why I'm saying even in prophecy, things. that a prophet's prophecies wouldn't be infallible. Are you in Grudem's camp, by the way? Well, I'm not. I don't see the 
the prophecies of predicting the future is still in place. You, okay, you but you don't think that the same standard that would have been applied to them when they were in place would make sense to be the same I standard think for that's being applied? predictive prophecy, and especially a thus says the Lord, when... Yeah, and then it's like, okay, when someone prophecy gets a, yeah. can just be preaching. So, or... I, I mean, I would really divide it as when someone's up there and they say, and I'm very careful with this God in my own preaching, me, and I say, yeah. from my reading of scripture, I think what this is saying is what I'll say. Where I'm really posing it as, this is the best thing I've come up with, and I think it's right, I could be wrong here. And I'm making it to say, this is what I'm thinking from all my gifts that God has given me to study the scripture and understand the scripture. I don't know everything. But if someone gets up there and says, God has told me that this is how you, that, that like God has told me that you baptize infants. And if you believe anything else, you are going against God. If someone says that, yes, you hold them to the infallibility. But I, I think just uh, equipping someone well, to be a dynamic preacher, to be someone who studies the word and is able to teach well, doesn't mean you're guaranteeing that them to always get everything right. Do you think it's a, it's a good idea for a pastor to qualify everything that he says from the pulpit with, I think this and this is the best interpretation that I've been able to come up with. Like I, I feel like there are things that you can definitely say mm -hmm. with a, a larger degree of confidence Absolutely. from the pulpit. Absolutely. Um, that that God want you know like God yeah. wants you to pursue holiness and and hear something that is holy and absolutely um, oh absolutely you can say you can have those thus say at the Lord moments and things that are clear but I I think then, a pastor shouldn't try to overshoot it and thinking that he has to always be in that mode yeah. there is a there okay. is per there is times to say I don't know or to say this is what I think and I and I think this I think there's a lot of good reasons here are my reasons mm. I think we shouldn't shy away from that. Uh, well, okay, so here's the thing. Here's my pushback for that. Then, what is the point of the scripture? What is the point of the scripture? Yeah. What well, What was the point of having an infallible mm -hmm. writing and recording and passing on of that, only for it to be filtered through infallible men, fallible. or fallible men, yeah. and and not knowing exactly whether we're getting the right or the wrong? It's, it's this is what he mm -hmm. thinks. Now I have to go and self teach myself, and mm -hmm. and hopefully we get. A consensus and hopefully our consensus is correct mm -hmm. well also okay here's here's a question if i were to say and don't worry i'm not <laughs> i'm not i'm not being like heretical in the th in the way no. you might think i'm being heretical maybe i'm being heretical in another way like <laughs> is the bible infallible um and, and what do you mean by infallible like yeah, i know it's, it's like now we got to play and, yeah. and i get it like it, it's because i don't want thing, i don't want to say it's like talk best okay well then let's say that what i mean by bible is ESV. All right. And what I mean by infallible, mm -hmm. I mean that it perfectly communicates to us the things, like everything that God wishes for it to communicate to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, if you were to say that about the ESV, I, I don't know that you could say yes, if you were to say that about uh, you know the NIV or, or any other translation. But then it's, e it's even harder because it's like we have manuscripts, we have Greek manuscripts, but it's like we don't even all agree on like, well, should we use the majority text or some people are like the Texas Receptus is it, man. Right. And that's not even like a thing. That's not even like a, mm. a unified. It wasn't yeah. even a, a specific text. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get too far off mm. on this, but it's like, OK, there is there is room to believe that even the book that we're holding in our hands when we go up, uh, you know, to teach or when we when we do our daily devotions or when we, you know, like disciple families or whatever it is like that even that book is going to have some uh, points of tension. 
right. you know, with what a what the correct uh, interpretation, or not even interpretation, but just translation mm. um, or choice of manuscript is. So it's like, okay, we have a let's let's say, and I think we would all say this: when apostle put pen to paper, the thing that they wrote was infallible. Are we all are we all down with that? If it was meant to be, like when Paul wrote the letter mm. to the Ephesians that we now have today as Ephesians, that it was perfect. It perfectly communicated to that church all the things that God wanted Paul to communicate. Yeah, but I just want to qualify. I don't, I don't want to say every word he wrote. I would say... Plenary verbal. Well, like, I would say, like, if it's doctrinal... It got the point across, is what you're saying? Or? I would say doctrine's infallible. And if it was prophecy, you know, if he's recording mm -hmm. prophecy words, mm -hmm. infallible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't... I don't consider his greetings inspired you know what i mean there are things and so like i would even go to the gospel i don't think everything is inspired because it doesn't need to be well, what, and what about uh the suggestion paul makes was it about marriage um i actually heard an interpretation of that that uh kind of put my heart at ease with it because you're you're probably talking about first corinthians 13 where he's like yeah. the lord said yeah da, 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 and okay the rest Say I, so. not the Lord. Or yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, so right. yeah. yeah, the rest say I, not the Lord. And there was a pastor who pointed out, and like you go back and check it, and it checks out. The things he is saying that the Lord is saying uh, are things that the Lord said, like that Jesus said in the yeah. Gospels. Right. Um, and then it, he's saying, look, I'm not, I'm not. This is not a direct quote from Jesus as far as things he said on the earth, but this is something that I am adding. And that doesn't make it not authoritative. Like okay. he's still speaking with the authority of an apostle. Yeah. And you know who told me that? John MacArthur. Okay. Not like one-on-one, -on -one, but... Mm. <laughs> I, read, I, I read another commentator that said the same thing, and it, it does. But I think there's another part in First Corinthians that you can apply what you were saying, where he where he says, I'd rather the unmarried and the widows be like me, but I, I say this as a concession, not as a command. Right, so he's right that they just, get that married just, so they don't burn. Yeah, but he's thing. like, but if you you're like me, you know, you 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 do better, you do mm -hmm. just as fine, whatever, mm -hmm. however you want to say that. Um, yeah, is that inspired? Because is it is it is it like this black and white thing where like yeah, widows and unmarried have to get married or they don't have to get married? It's kind of like he's, or they have to not get married. They have freedom in it. Yeah. So I think the insp inspiration part of it is that the truth that it is, grants freedom. Yeah there's a freedom in that mm -hmm. but um but yeah anyways because you had asked do i think that the bible is in, infallible i would say no because i think there are parts that aren't god breathed okay and you would include the greetings the greetings and... um okay so <laughs> derail this but the gospels uh one of the and it was a great argument but I didn't think about I, I re I came back to the mm -hmm. argument I was like oh wait a minute because this affects inspiration um, so the argument about the Gospels how you have some different stories and they're told differently now sometimes it's non contradictory but other times it can be like how many people how many blind men did Jesus see on the road At to Jericho right it, it was a two was a one uh, I think there's a bit of discrepancy in exactly what time of Passover the last supper happened or, uh, or what resurrection day was. yeah yeah timeline and so it's like what people would say is that well in any eyewitness account you have these variables right you have kind of things that vary but 
people are telling the truth. It's not like this um, collusion, right? Mm. And it's like, yeah, that's a great argument for the honesty of it. But for the inspiration, if we're going to say that everything's God breathed, they don't, they all can't be the same. They all can't be true. You know what I'm saying? So what you were saying about like, if, unless the gospel accounts are not necessarily identical, but um, like they overlap perfectly without any even seeming contradictions um, that you can say that they're honest, but not necessarily that they're inspired. Like, you know, I, I've never heard, I, I've heard a lot of different, um, you know, supposed contradictions, especially with the Gospels in the New Testament. I think that's the easiest place, um, you know, for people to go to try to find them. But I've never found any that are not harmonizable, um, that you couldn't, you know, come up with an interpretation. Like the, the blind men, it's usually people say, well, you know, there may very well have been two, but probably there was one that was really vocal and that was the one that Christ interacted with the most. And so like when one person was writing it, they um, wrote it as Christ's interaction with that man. And then the other person write it, writes it as, you know, the, the event that happened is that Christ, um, you know, healed two blind men, which is also uh, something that happened. But I, I don't think that that's an argument against infallibility as much as that would be an argument against like, scientific uh holistic accuracy from each writer right well i wouldn't say necessarily um infallibility but i was saying inspired or yeah even inspiration i think it's fine to say that they were inspiration that these are different authors with different intentions different audiences but that's um, all natural unless well, god was having a specific reason to have different yeah thematic accounts so there's Matthew is doing something very different than Mark, and Mark yeah. is doing something very different than John. Matthew, yeah. Matthew is super Jewish. Like uh, I remember Israel Cohen, who used to go to CCC. Um, this old, this older Jewish man. They moved to Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, they. So he was raised Jewish, you know, in the faith, and uh, and he was told to stay away from Christians and everything. And then he was, I think, in the Navy. And his buddy uh, was like, if I gave you, you know, a, a New Testament, would you just, even if you just read like one book, just read the first book. And, he, and the guy didn't know like, hey, Matthew's like the most Jewish book probably in the whole New Testament, that and Hebrews and everything. And, uh, and so Israel said, I read it and it was the most Jewish book I'd ever read. And I thought John the <laughs> Baptist was a Baptist and I thought Peter was a Catholic mm. and I, you know, and then I read it and it opens up with the genealogy and I'm like, okay, this guy's speaking my language, you know, mm -hmm. it's like. The son of, the son of, the son of, the son of. And even the way that the, uh, like, the the culture is um, laid out and the way that people interact with each other, it's a, it's a very Jewish perspective on the life of Christ. Whereas with Luke, it's like, I went around and got all these eyewitness testimonies and, like, here's, I just, I pushed, I put everything together. I, f I formed a, an orderly account. And he's doing it, you know, apparently he's been hired by this guy, Theophilus, to write this account. Um, but yeah, I think that it's fine to say that it was in God's intention that when Matthew wrote his gospel, it would be a document that would be accessible and, uh, you know, it would it would minister more and more specifically to the, the Jewish people and that, you know, the, these other books are going to have their intended audiences and everything. But again, that's just that's providential. That's yes. not. That's not inspired. Well, inspired is, goes what? Like inspired. I don't meaning, understand how one makes it not the other. 
Because everything is providential. Like every book, it doesn't mean that like Lord of the Rings is inspired. What makes something inspired is it's God breathed. Right? Yeah, but it communicates God's will. Yeah, like but... the Lord of the Rings does not communicate perfect truth about God. Right, sure? but but so uh, <laughs> I, I saw that coming. So <laughs> it's a really good podcast. Topic, by the way. Um, oh. it it does talk about God's God's will portrays it. So does the preacher. Mm-hmm. What Lord of the Rings? No, no. Uh, <laughs> The Gospels. I, I'm not. Okay. I'm not disputing that, and I'm not disputing that mm-hmm. it's not in an honest way. But what we were just talking about earlier with the gifts, like a preacher does that too, doesn't mean it's inspired. And I think inspired is, is defined as God breathed. Mm-hmm. And so if Matthew decided I'm going to write to the Jewish audience and I'm going to make it <laughs> Judaeus uh, in a way that they can understand that, you know, mm-hmm. that to me is not a God breathed or an inspired decision. That's a natural decision that God providentially allowed to happen but i don't i don't see how because i get that not everything that providentially happens is inspired but i don't get how you it's it's almost like you're what is it like affirming the consequent or whatever the logical fallacy is it's like just because something is providential doesn't mean that it's not also inspired right but but what does inspired mean okay i I believe that it means it's god breathed so right. it means that the words came out in the in the manner so intended you, by God. Mm-hmm. But are you saying that that it's God spoke to Matthew to write it this way, like divine uh, dictation, like God spoke and they like? just wrote it all down? I mean, so yeah, because like the, the, the Bible the words... talks about like men. I mean, it, this is specifically talking about the Old Testament, but then yeah. men of old, uh, they communicated as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't think they necessarily were hearing a voice, but it was the spirit at work in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but the reasons that we give for why the gospels are different had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. They're very natural. I think they do. But there's no proof of that. <laughs> it's like, but like the 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 reasons you gave are, are are like I said, they're natural and they make sense in a natural sense. But and I think say, that that's the Holy Spirit condescending and being like, well, now here through Matthew, I'm going to create a narrative that's going to be specialized to. Mm-hmm communicate to this audience i don't i don't think that that means it's not inspired just because they're not identical well it it depends on if because they're not identical if it can be harmonized and how natural the harmonization is a good example has to do with it it was a topic that maybe eventually we'll get to talk about but it has to do with the whole exception clause debacle okay matthew has a divorce thing right matthew has an exception that is not found in any of the other gospels right Mm -hmm. Now, is it contradicting the other gospels? Just not found. It would contradict, because I, because so. well because the only way it wouldn't contradict is that if you presume somehow the exception found its way to those other audiences. Yeah, I. So you're, I, you're, but you're, so they're not in there. Right. So you're saying it contradicts. Yes. I I kind of get I kind of get what Eric is saying. It's almost like in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, this is going to be so stupid, but like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the point of, you know, pointing yeah. out logical, like how logic works. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus said, there's no such thing as a blue duck. And then in John, Jesus says, there's no such thing as a blue duck, except my good friend Dave over here. And like, <laughs> yeah. Dave is a blue duck. Yeah. And it's like, well, doesn't that mean that John's gospel contradicts Matthew's, Mark's, and Luke's gospel? And I think that there is a, a sense in which you can say yes, but I think that if it's included in any of them, then what is it like you use the more clear, like the more fleshed out text to interpret the less clear, less fleshed out. Yeah. And that's text. not Matthew. Matthew's not the more fleshed out one. No. Even though it includes. So do you think that that line is not inspired? 
I, I wouldn't say that it's not inspired, but this is what it goes to is like if there was an intention behind it and we don't, there's not a consensus as to the intention behind Matthew in this example. There's a very large consensus. There's not a hundred percent consensus. Okay. Well, this is why I want to have that conversation because uh, I think it's a something to flesh out, like you said. But either way, let's say there is a consensus or there's not. Uh, I think that the difference isn't uh, doesn't have to necessarily do with the Holy Spirit. I think that that's an assumption that we're putting into it. But the, I mean, the Gospels are just one example. An example I like to go to actually is in Jeremiah. And here's a prophet speaking, right? And in, in one of the verses, I think it's in, I want to say it's in chapter 10, but I'm probably wrong. Um, where he says he calls God a deceptive stream. I. He calls God a deceptive stream? Yes, and then God rebukes him for that. And it's like that. Jeremiah calls him that? Yeah. Okay. And that's not Jeremiah being pushed by the Holy Spirit, obviously. To write it, yeah. Uh, maybe. But 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 the whole the, the, that actual verse, that line, is not God breathed. It's Jeremiah so Are you saying God in the oh, sense that it's that's, communicating that's, like it's communicating kind of the truth of like so this is what's true about God, that means it's God breathed, and if it doesn't communicate a truth about God that it's not God breathed? Right. Is that kind of how you're seeing it? Yeah. Because that's not how the rest of us are talking about God breathing. No, I, I understand that. Yeah. And that. But I'm saying that that's, that's how I would disagree with you guys is because mm -hmm. that's why I said doctrinal things, things the prophecy, that is definitely inspired. That is definitely God breathed. It came from God. Mm -hmm. But other things, there's no real reason to believe they are. And that actually allows us, affords us to have these differences. Mm -hmm. They're natural tendencies. That's the whole argument behind the eyewitness account. Is that's what you naturally see all the time are differing details and it's because somebody picked up on something that somebody didn't and they emphasize that mm -hmm. okay that's all natural that's, mm -hmm. there's nothing holy spirit pushing nothing none of that yeah and that's the that's the reason that the the talk about is it descriptive versus pre prescriptive or what is talk what is communicating a truth right. about god what is communicating a truth about his church yeah every word of scripture is there because god wanted it there because he wanted to communicate something to you and it might have been a bigger narrative than just this one verse you see, I'd also have to disagree with that because you have different manuscripts that, that have words and don't have words. And then you also have translations that have words and don't have words. Punctuation is really the main thing that did the different manuscripts. Absolutely main, yeah. It's so it's so small that if I gave you an English version that had the differences that the Bible manuscripts say, you wouldn't even notice the English differences. That's how insignificant the differences are. Most of them are insignificant. I'm not arguing that. But there are some that are that, that change things. Uh, that there that are. change doctrines? Um, change meanings? I wouldn't, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're changing doctrines because I believe the doctrines mm -hmm. are God-breathed. I'm talking about the other details. I'm saying for the details. There's not even detail changes. Okay, so I would just... Like for someone that's gone into text-critical work, it's literally stuff like they put a capital in the wrong spot. No, I, I, I know. I've seen that. But yeah. like, there are, like if you see... Um, maybe you've already watched it, but mm -hmm. there's a debate with Bart Ehrman. Oh, Bart uh, Ehrman. Oh, don't bring him up. Look, I don't, <laughs> I'm not saying I like the guy. Okay, I'm not he makes saying... like first day seminary mistakes. Are you, like, are you saying like he knows the, it. the Bart Ehrman James White yeah. debates? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think James White does a really good job of addressing his. But, he, I, I'm, but I'm not here to, to disagree mm -hmm. with that. But like Bart Ehrman does point out like an instance where it could be Jesus is angry or it could be Jesus is something else. Are you talking about the Lazarus story? Mm, I don't even remember mm -hmm. what the story is. Yeah, okay, I think but they, I there's think a manuscript story. discrepancy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying that how Bart Ehrman goes and says that that's all inspired and it's all mm -hmm. misquoting Jesus because mm -hmm. that's just a shtick or something of his mm -hmm. but um, but what I am saying then is that 
that there are these differences, whether they're meaningful or not, there's differences. What does that point to? That doesn't point to God breathed and the Holy Spirit pushing, mm. because you can't somehow attribute error to God or, or anything like you can't. Mm -hmm. So where do you attribute to? You attribute to the natural thing. I think we both agree there's a natural and a supernatural element in the scriptures. Yeah. But, but if you're equating discrepancy to always meaning error, then sure. But I mean, we're yeah. we're not operating under that assumption either. Right. But it is an error. It is an error. Or it if isn't someone error. copied something, sorry, it is an or isn't yeah. error. No, it is an error. Okay. Which is which is why the creeds usually will state the original right. manuscripts yeah. are inspired and and, yeah. and infallible, and what we have in the translations are very close. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, extraordinary. And sufficient. But my like question, the, my, my, this sufficient. is just my curiosity because I want to understand your point more. Um, my question is, how do you figure out what's inspired? Right. Well, the only way that I can know for sure, because mm -hmm. I think there's different levels, mm -hmm. but the ones that I know for sure are the ones that I said, doctrinal and prophecy. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of scriptures, I believe, are God-breathed because they do have their source in God. Smaller mm -hmm. details, uh, Jeremiah recording how he had a temper tantrum. So, so narrative is no. Like, that's not necessarily inspired to you? Uh, it could be or it couldn't be. I mean, so... I don't, but like I could say, like even whole books, I I think there's questions to their inspiration. So who gets to decide inerrancy? Do you? Inerrancy or in inspire inspiration of scripture? Do you? No, nobody gets to to decide it more than anybody else does. It, the the so it's like you you you're gonna argue what you think is inspired and is inspired. I'm gonna argue what I think is is and isn't inspired. I'm just simply going off of what do I find as a natural tendency. And I know this because I can test it against other natural tendencies. And what do I find to be supernatural tendency? Mm -hmm. and, and this, well, go ahead. Well, I, I might be taking a different direction, but mm. I was going to say this goes to a, uh, a part of this conversation that we yeah. had before with open or closed canon. Yeah, it's all. And, it all goes to the yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they're they're all, um, and I think this also goes back to even the the topic at hand, which which comes to the giftings and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mm -hmm. know that you find this particularly troublesome because it's like if there was some guy who was doing miracles and was like, okay, here's my canon, and it's sixty four books, and maybe I just mm -hmm. you know don't include Hebrews and James or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's sixty four books, and like here's my canon, and then here's my interpretations of everything, and uh, like I'm I'm going to be your pope for this time period and I'm going to I'm going to hand my authority down to somebody else who will then start doing miracles um that that would seem to make it a lot easier yeah. but at the same time it's like I don't think that it necessarily would because like I know that there are things I mean like Paul says in the book of Galatians even if an angel came to you and started preaching all these other things like preached another gospel to you other than the one that we've preached don't listen to him right um, and even if like we saw a guy who was doing all these miracles and started like, you know, doing these things, I, I wouldn't necessarily take that as a as a sign of legitimacy. Like I was listening to a Charles Spurgeon uh, sermon recently and he was talking about Abraham's calling and people go, oh, wouldn't it be great? This is him talking. He goes, mm. uh, people always say, wouldn't it be great if, uh, you know, God just spoke to me and said, hey, Eric, it's me. My name's Jesus. I'm real. Like the 66 book canon is legit. And, uh, you know, as a sign, uh, you know, look up in the sky and there's going to be a, a shooting star in three, two, one, boom. And then like you see the shooting star and then he goes, and I want you to go to 
uh, Philadelphia and minister to the Jewish population. And, and he tells you that sort of stuff. And uh, he goes, look, if that happened, you still wouldn't believe it. Like you wouldn't, you'd be like, I don't know if that was like a hallucination or mm-hmm. if that was a dream or I need if, to go get an MRI. if whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need to go get an MRI and see like what's going on. I might be about to have an aneurysm or something. But uh, like you, you still wouldn't believe it. And that's why Peter says, look, I was on the mountain and I saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah, you know, all like clothed in, in raiment that was, it looked like pure light. And I heard the voice come from heaven that said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. And uh, so I've seen all that stuff. And I saw, I like, I, I freaking walked on water. Like, I did all this stuff. But I have something that's even more sure. And that is the scriptures. That is the, the word of prophecy. And it's like, I, I get that there is a sense in which we have to, uh, to by faith, accept that some church tradition, you know, somewhere came up with the right canon and that happens to be the canon that we all use and the the Catholics are wrong to include the Apocrypha. Uh, and I agree like philosophically with your statement that no one has authority to decide what's inspired any more than anyone else does. But it's almost like a, what would God's point have been in inspiring a canon that he didn't preserve? Well, and that's that actually is a question that I had asked earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, first you're 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 right like it it's it's part of uh well yeah i would say it's part of human nature for the doubting Mm -hmm. and and also to have faith like Mm -hmm. those two are Mm -hmm. an operation um but the fact is that if gifts were happening and even if the canon was open i know the church would still function because it did if wait if if the canon was were happening yeah if if, and the canon was open okay because it did it happened that that's Mm -hmm. part of our history well for like a few decades you know yeah but but either or if it can survive a few decades it was it was all done by the preservation of God. It'd, it'd be so long by now, dude. No, and I I, <laughs> I, I totally like get that. So many letters. Yes, I I and I totally Canada get that. And it's like six thousand books long. <laughs> it's like uh, the Star Wars extended universe. Yeah. <laughs> like it's all this stuff really canon. Legend, like and then Disney dead. comes in and is like, nah. Yes. No. Yeah. Dis- Disney buys out Bible? Christianity. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh. Please no. Oh. Pope Ray. Anyways. Popery. Yeah. Popery. Popery. Uh I, I, I totally get that. I'm even with you on the fact that it's mm-hmm. a misunderstanding that in scripture miracles are happening mm-hmm. like every day since day one. Mm-hmm. It's not. Totally get that. But um the fact is that when you have such a long period of time when they're not happening, there are consequences to that. And to say that, oh well if they happen today, you know, we wouldn't believe them or anything, is like so so what? Not everybody who, when the miracles were happening, believed. It's yeah, it's right. just it, so that's not necessarily. Um, Gosh, how crazy is that? They right. like you have Cora in the, not that Cora. Uh, <laughs> you have Cora in the wilderness, and it's like I've seen Moses yeah. do all these yeah. things. Like you're not really God's man. Aaron's not really. I think mm. my family should be the priesthood. Yeah. And yeah. Moses is like, okay, well, how about this? Whoever's right will like die at an old age. And yeah. then whoever's wrong, the ground will just open up right now and swallow him. Yeah. yeah. Boom. And like, yeah. You know, it's and like, well, that, solve that one. And I think that gets to a deeper point about uh, accepting the canon uh, as it is and accepting scripture as authoritative. And what the reformers would talk about is the scripture authenticates itself. Mm. We don't give a cre- credence to it. The church doesn't give credence to whether it's the canon or not. It's self-authenticating. It's, it's, if it's the supreme authority... 
then yeah. it has it's the only thing that has authority to say that it's the authority. And the reason that that's important um, is that we don't get to decide what's in scripture, what's not. That's what God has ordained for it to um, be. And that can be sound cyclical of like, well, why is the Bible authoritative? Because it says it's authoritative. Because it says it's authoritative, I believe it's authoritative. But what Calvin talked about is the spectacles of faith. That through faith we're able to accept these things. And that's mm-hmm. important is, well, how am I going to get there just by pure reason? And I think it's very, it's very 19th century of us to say, I've got to be... I've got to see the facts laid out before me before I understand that how did these books come into canon and how were they translated over time and saying, well, no, that's not how mm. uh, Christian generations most, have understood yeah. it. They've understood as I come to this and this, this scripture is self-authenticating. I, I would say that that's actually not historically true. Give me an example. Okay. Uh, Jerome's, like, Jerome's work was not done on faith. It was done through scholarly work. In fact, a lot of the... What do you mean by his, his translation work? Yeah. Well, it wasn't just that. It was what he decided was canon or not. Which he had the same books. He said the Apocrypha was helpful, not scripture. Yeah, but he does actually say officially, because he adhered to the Pope's authority, that the Apocrypha was included. He does say that. You can find it. I don't know where you can find it. I'm pretty sure I remember him saying that he said it was helpful, not scripture. That was his personal opinion. Well, and isn't that the whole reason that they invented the term deuterocanonical? Absolutely. It's like, okay, it's a second canon. So that way you can interpret it to be like, Oh, this is a second, like, mm-hmm. s- this is volume two, or else you could say it's, like, secondary. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's not just secondary. It was, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you have giants like Athanasius mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Augustine mm-hmm. disagreeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and both saying this is what scripture is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't, th- I so, so, like, canon, just to be helpful, mm-hmm. means standard. And I do believe there is this self, self-authenticating right. standard. Why there's four Gospels, mm-hmm. and, and we didn't include Peter that's right. and Thomas, because mm-hmm. they stick out like sore thumbs. Yeah, Absolutely. That's right. But not every book works that way. Mm. Um, an example I would give is is the Song Hebrews. of Solomon. Oh, I thought you were going to say Hebrews. No, no, no. I, I, for I the most like part, I'm... Hebrews. The only book that I really have any questions uh, in, in New Testament-wise has, is Revelation. Mm-hmm. But that's because there's been questions historically about it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a crazy book. But, like, you go to the Old <laughs> kinda, Testament. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. crazy. It's only yeah. a little crazy. You go to the Old Testament, and I think that's uh, where a lot of the difference is. And it's like, yeah, and, and why did we pick up a lot of the books, especially as Protestants, that we do in our in our Old Testament, where a lot of the Apocrypha mm-hmm. and non-Apocrypha and that's books. Yeah, that's going to be where the Apocrypha comes from. Yeah. The, the fun part about going to the Old Testament is that canon had very little shifting around. Yeah. You either accepted the Torah or you accepted the Tanakh, but there was no arguments over what should be included in the Tanakh. It was always all the books that we have in the Old Testament. The New Testament had a lot more arguments over what should be in it. And it helps that when Jesus comes on the scene... Like he seems well, he quotes from mm-hmm. the prophets that are included. Yeah, because in that was the so only like, argument. Right, so that yeah, but he argument. also quotes from Enoch, and so does Jude. It doesn't necessarily Jesus quotes from Enoch. Yeah, and so it doesn't necessarily. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't cut as dry as you're making it out to be. Um, a lot of the vast differences in in the uh, canons, um, I, I would say, like both both the New Testament and the Old Testament, there were differences with... there. If you look at the canons even now, mm-hmm. where a lot of differences are going to be, is Old Testament. And it's it's because... Is Old Testament? Yeah. For the addition of the Apocrypha. Right, but the Apocrypha didn't become the Apocrypha until the Reformation in the terms that we're meaning mm-hmm. now. 
because what basically what happened after the Reformation was that the Protestants chose one side of the issue and the Catholics chose the other side of the issue. Mm -hmm. There was debate going on for centuries. That's mm -hmm. why there was a Deuterocanon. like, there's not a consensus like there is for these. There's not a consensus. So, but there, there are questions that have to do with the Old Testament canon because... It depends on when you believe the Old Testament canon was finalized with the Jews and whether or not we should even refer to the Jews as Jerome did in making our canon. That was a big controversy because people were like, why are you going to the Jews to decide what's in the Old Testament? Let's go to the fathers, the Christian fathers who decided this. But they didn't have a consensus. Now, saying all that, I'm not saying that the, the, the Bible isn't authoritative. This is a question of what is the Bible? And mm -hmm. I think because nobody came down from a mountain with tablets saying Old Testament, New Testament, then mm -hmm. there are legitimate questions to be asked. I don't know why Song of Solomon is included in the Old Testament or in our Bible. It has absolutely, really nothing edifying for us as Christians or even as Jews. It's, it's, unless you take the interpretation, which I can't take because I just don't, I can't see Oh, that. MacArthur's take? Yeah, well, yeah, he's one of them, but you know, there's other what, people. What, that is the church and yeah, Jesus? Yeah, about church and Jesus, which is like, but I can make any love song about the church and Jesus. Now, some of them are going to be crude, but there's some crude things going on in Song of Solomon. So it's like, what, why is the Song of Solomon there? Well, I mean, I think you just have to deal with the fact that that is the one that wound up included and not, you know, whatever other love song. No, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's fine that that was included, but I see that as a providence. I don't see that as anything that is... You don't see that as inspired. Right, or, or God-given. Hmm. So it's like, but here's the great news. Like I said, Song of Solomon is so inconsequential. Who cares? That, so like for me, it's just the it's just the the way I look at the Bible rather than saying, mm -hmm. you know, is Matthew and Mark and Luke? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are certainly authoritative. I think well, this might be a controversial issue, but I think apostolic teaching is the most authoritative thing there is. To be more clear, it's not just scripture. Mm -hmm. It has to be apostolic. Because I think a lot of people go to the Old Testament and teach things that seem to be in that context or whatever without really looking at what the apostles taught and seeing how that's there's a difference there. Hmm. But but that yeah, like goes, trying to trying to uh, solve prophetic puzzle puzzles and not even paying attention to the way that the apostles dealt with prophecy. Right, like that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, hmm. I just wanted to ask to, for clarification for my sake with what you guys were saying as far as the canon mm -hmm. and why we have what we have, were you saying that just because of the fact that we have what we have now after centuries, mm. that we should just in faith take this as No, canon? no, no, no. The Spirit gives the sight to say this is authoritative. It's an act of faith. Like as what Kierkegaard said, you have to take that leap of faith. It's not going to be... Here, all the evidence is lined up. Therefore, I have rationally decided that this is the canon. Right. We well, don't decide yet. Right. Well, that's what I'm that's saying. Right. Is like we're not deciding because, w in faith, we're going on the fact that other people have already made those decisions. Is that what you were kind of saying? Not on other because the Bible is its own authority. So it's the Spirit that gives the authority of the Scriptures that it comes from God. It's not from any church organization or any group of people saying, "Hey, this is what's authoritative. Here's the stamp." Right. It comes. It's God and the Bible self-authenticating. In in that sense, how um, how are you able to 
polish out the edges and say that these 66 books are for sure all that's it or, yeah I, that's a good question but how yeah. do i know that it wouldn't be the apocrypha included as right well? right that's if, that's yeah i my my biggest thing would be the i would go to the fact that um the canons were or at least for the old testament they were it was very cut and dry this is if you go to any um uh any old testament uh or hebrew school the Tanakh is the Tanakh. There's no question about it. There's the question of the Apocrypha, yeah, but there's not really a question of anything not being included. That's the nice thing about the Old Testament. There's not really a debate of, should Genesis be in here? Should we have the... The only debate was Torah alone or Torah plus Law and Prophets. Right, that was, which, that's which the is only. Tanakh? Yeah. Tanakh is, yeah, Law and... So Tanakh stands for Torah, um, Torah, Nevaim, and Ketuvim. The Torah, the, or the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. That's the Torah. That has been pretty firm for, gosh, what, a couple thousand years now. Um, and then you have the New Testament where you have that growing consensus of these are the books. So there were lists of maybe we should include this, but we're not sure. But there wasn't a ton of like, we shouldn't have these. There were a couple books that were like on some lists and on, on others. And you can kind of throw those up there like, well, should these be? I don't know. Um, but I pretty, I mean, there's pretty solid. Uh, um, Firmness, the fact that the church has always used those books throughout time and all. And they found that these were all, in the New Testament, all written by apostolic authority or someone under apostolic authority. That was one of the qualifications for it. Was it edifying to the church? There were qualities that they were looking for. So they weren't saying, let's try to see what books we've decided that's authoritative. And more of they were looking to find what are the books that are authoritative. And I think also sense. that, like, I know it's a little too convenient, but you, you have to think of it like, what was the other apocalypse apocalypse of peter right that was mm. one that was like kind of debated on it's like if that one was supposed to be in there did god just kind of slip up in not preserving it and making sure that it got to his people through all time um and i think you know this is part of my my calvinism kind of showing is like i i believe that the canon that we have uh as far as what we count as new testament is what it is because they're those are the books that God said I'm not letting these ones slip through the cracks like I'm going to make sure that my people get this okay Paul mm -hmm. wrote more than two letters to the Corinthians but these are the two that communicate truths that I'm going to want my people to have access to for mm -hmm. all time well then another question with that because that's always something I've worried about is like well are we missing a letter that we should have but so so just assuming that we should only have the ones that we do have mm -hmm. but knowing he did write others would you say that even though they're not included, therefore we would have to go on faith that God didn't want them to be included? Do you think that they were still possibly inspired? No, not in the sense of being authoritative or in, inspired. Again, yeah, again, like it, it's, when you say inspired, yeah. like to me, the set of things that are inspired and the set of things that are supposed to be in canon, like that Venn diagram is just a circle. Yeah. You know, it's the same set of things. Now, that doesn't mean that they were erroneous and that they said things to mm. their audiences that would have led them astray but it's like whatever paul was saying in those other letters to the corinthians it's like it, it was good for them but we don't necessarily need to know it mm -hmm. the laodicean laodicean i can't have always trouble with that one mm -hmm. uh, but he had it be read in other churches mm -hmm. yep yeah for for non-authoritative purposes well, maybe for purposes that served whatever was going on in the in the Christian community at large at that time. Yeah. Because you're saying, uh, is that in Colossians, right? Where he's like, 
hey, you guys mm-hmm. need to read the letter that I gave to the Laodiceans, mm-hmm. and then you, I need them to read the one that I gave mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm totally fine saying that. And mm-hmm. it is kind of a... I get that, especially, like, if anyone at this table was an atheist, you'd be tearing your hair out. Like, mm-hmm. that's circular reasoning. How can you say that the books we have are the ones we're supposed to have? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I, I don't... It's not... I'm not trying to take an easy way out when I say this. I just really do believe that God is that sovereign. Mm-hmm. That if there was a word that God intended for his people to have throughout time, mm-hmm. he's going to preserve it. Yeah, but you're assuming that, that God you... Is no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's not that, but you're assuming you're God's people. Yep. Right. So the Catholics would say the same thing. And they would include the Apocrypha. Yeah. Yeah, which I think at least makes the argument way simpler. Mm-hmm. It makes It makes the argument... Should we have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the, and the Apocrypha, or should we just have the Old Testament and the New Testament? Instead of like, well, should Song of Solomon be mm-hmm. he, in here? Should no we have Peter's, uh, Peter's eh, Apocalypse? But uh, James White also has a really good debate on this, and I should probably, I'll, I feel like I want to listen to that, re-listen oh, to mm-hmm. that again, where he debates. He has a great series of debates with a host of um, Catholic theologians, and it's over the course of like, mm-hmm. I think more than a decade. He just has a series of debates with these people, and it's over mm-hmm. the papacy and the apocrypha and mm-hmm. uh, the celibacy of priests. And it's mm-hmm. like he just he has one debate with a Catholic theologian mm-hmm. on each of these issues. And I mean, James White, I, you can say what you want to say about his personality, and he's kind of abrasive and yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, he is absolutely an asset when it comes to uh, for for me, mm-hmm. me listening to him debate. Uh, non-Trinitarians and atheists and, you know, mm-hmm. even, like, infant Baptists. Like, that has been mm. huge to me. So I should probably mm-hmm. go... All that to say, I should probably go and look up that mm-hmm. debate because he probably makes some good points in there. Not that, not that they would be, like, the last nail in the coffin of the mm-hmm. argument as a whole, but, like, mm-hmm. I think it would yeah, and the, but the reason that this was such uh, a real sticking point for the reformers, like Calvin spends a lot of time talking about the self-authenticatingness of scripture. The reason that's so important is when it, when it uh, kind of spins out. So if scripture is his own, if it's, it's, if it's the supreme authority and only it decides what it is and God gives it because God has given it as his word. So it has the authority over us. If we get above it, that puts us to the higher authority, which yeah. is what the Catholics did. That's why um, Calvin was so uh, such a stickler of this, because he was fighting against Catholicism, mm. where they said, the Bible is not the supreme authority. The tradition of the church and the teaching office of the church is the supreme authority, and the teaching office of the church has decided these books are included. And the Bible is only what the Bible is, because, because the church have... has said it is. He yeah. said they, so it's underneath. It's not the supreme authority. So if we put ourselves in a position over it, whatever that group is that's deciding that's what it is that's now that's now the uh, yeah. the authority of the church i i have a, a question stemming from ignorance not from knowledge um that's all of us thank you for admitting that. yeah no <laughs> just, if only eric <laughs> uh so i'm familiar with the apocrypha and mm-hmm. i came to faith after kind of never having read a catholic bible mm-hmm. um it, and I could be wrong. It's my understanding that the Apocrypha also includes extra verses in some of the books that are in the Bible. Is so it Jeremiah? An extra chapter of Daniel's in there. An extra yeah. chapter of and Daniel. And it almost repeats. There's a lot of Apocrypha that is kind of like the same stories, but said a little differently. Mm-hmm. So, so how would... My question is, how would we... How, how, do, you, how do you go from... Yeah, the, 
the book of Daniel is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, canon, mm-hmm. except for that extra chapter. Mm. Or, okay. or would it be you like know, 15? This, this verse that? that's like tagged on. 15? I think something like that. Uh, you know, or, mm-hmm. and I... I I, I so I'm familiar, and I, I swear mm-hmm. one of the Old Testament books also has like literally like one verse that's just been tacked mm-hmm. on, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So so how how is it that we've gone? Yeah, this this book is canon minus this chapter because uh, yeah. I, I feel like that's like taking a letter of Paul going. Yeah, these first three pages are really good. Um, Paul got sleepy on that page. Or mm-hmm. just gonna, yeah, gonna and it, I don't. It wasn't selective in that sense it was that i think if my memory's fogging this so don't quote me on it but i'm pretty sure it cropped up later yeah so there was the ma- like many of the it, early it showed up later. Later. yeah right yeah so, but here, here's my problem because i think this is... i didn't understand that sorry I that like that like, like that they... daniel was largely understood to be daniel as we have it and then there's like this other thing that kind of pops up and is like hey yeah. i'm the lost 15th chapter yeah. of daniel ah okay um and so it's like well we'll make copies of this and we'll call it mm-hmm. secondary canon uh, which is what Deuterocanon means mm-hmm. and what the Apocrypha wound up being designated mm-hmm. as. But it's like, we're not we're not slapping this thing onto the end of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Would so. that be slight, is what he's saying slightly different than like um, the verses that were tacked on to uh, Mark? Like the end of Oh, Mark. like John yeah. 8 and the ending of Mark, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, James White even says, like, if I was preaching through the book of John, I would leave out the story of the woman caught in adultery. But but why? And I think we actually did that. At I CCC. would do it for the end of Mark because I think it's very clear that it wasn't part of Mark. But 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 how do you recognize it? So there, that's not in Those a lot of the, the early manuscripts. The right. So that's the main right. thing is that you don't see it until a certain point in time. So that sounds like an addition. It's yeah. lengthening the text. So usually, so when you do text critical work, there's a couple guiding principles. They're not always true. It's a difficult process. But one of the things is the shorter reading to be preferred because when you add, you add. You don't usually subtract. There's not you're not sitting there with an eraser. You add to smooth things out to make it. And then the the more difficult reading is to be preferred because what is an editor going to do if he's adding and writing? He's going to make it sound clearer. He's not going to say I'm going to add to this you know, by making it more confusing. Things, yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, the uh, longer ending of Mark seems like it's a smoothing out. It's it's yeah. lo- it's adding the lengthening. Also, Mark ends, and then the shorter ending starts the narrative again. Right. So there's yeah. an ending and another beginning, and then it goes on. So to me, yeah. there's too many evidences against it being included. Yeah. Right. And especially like so, just but, but real quick to add, it it is included it, it in our Bibles. Right. But so, there's yeah. a so note. That's, that's Eric's. No, but there's a right note there. that says, you know, the earliest manuscripts yeah. don't include this. But mm-hmm. it, it's to me going off of what Dan said. It's like also with the Book of Matthew. If the Book of Matthew is all you had, it's like Jesus. Uh, you know, gathers his disciples and says, hey, all authority is given it, and uh, go make disciples. Mm-hmm. And then it just ends. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what happened to Jesus? Like, is mm-hmm. Jesus still around? Like, is he hanging mm-hmm. out over there in Israel? Yeah. And so it really does leave you kind of like, you know, wondering. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it would make sense that Mark might also end like that. And then you have like the women, you know, running mm-hmm. to, or no, the, the women are running at the end. Uh, at the original yeah. ending, it's a, an and then you have ending. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this is where I would say that I think you guys are being inconsistent because you talk about that it's self-authenticating, but there was nothing self-authenticating to how you discovered whether Mark was authentic or not. You had to do the research, which again is also not a faith-based thing. That's yeah. that's a natural scholarly work. That's how the canon came to be. So I would I would very very firmly disagree because I think it's it's going to sound inconsistent. But I'm not saying what I'm, I'm determining that Mark is part. I'm saying what is the what is actually Mark, and how might they not have whether Mark or not that. should be included. 
or what parts like you know this part of mark that part of mark this part i'm just saying it looks like someone tacked on an ending okay it's more of the purifying thing of like well here i have i have this it's got a bunch of dirt on it well how do i figure out what is valuable i know what's valuable i'm scrubbing the dirt off that's okay. more of the way I would see it. I don't think see that as inconsistent. It's more of, I know scripture is authentic, and now I'm looking and seeing someone added this on. And it's very, those two so examples, those, those two examples two are the, the only two examples. New Testament. In, in almost, yeah, in almost the entire scripture. Well, like, so why not do the same thing to the last chapter of Daniel? Because, oh wait, why not? Do, yeah, because why, it doesn't not, have the why same. Why not tack it on and then just say, this was found It doesn't later. have the same set of oh, evidences going like for what, it. Like what Mark does? Yeah. Where they put it on and say this is not in a lot of manuscripts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it, know why they do that with the end of the last chapter of Mark. To be there's, honest, there's going to be there's going to be specific historical factors mm-hmm. that that come into play as to like the people who are making these decisions. That mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some people have access to, mm-hmm. but it's like it does. <laughs> you just said a few words that I think Eric just died over. Well, the yeah, people they're... making these decisions. Exactly. That... <laughs> no, you guys don't see it, but like the church did decide the canon. It wasn't that uh, the canon... Uh, I'd say the church discovered the canon. Yeah. No, they didn't discover it. That's not even historically accurate. They didn't just come upon a bunch of books. They discovered the set of texts that God wanted his people to have. No, it was preached to them orally. Then what was written down corroborated what was orally already preached. They had that for a while. And then it was brought together in a collection. But That's... the list that they have... they Okay, when I say discover, I don't mean that they found it like in, in the, the backyard or in the Ark yeah. of the Covenant in Indiana Jones's whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. but like, I, I'm saying <laughs> that kind of like when we, when we uh, stumble toward truths that are already uh, present in the world of mathematics, it's like we discover mm-hmm. the theory of relativity or whatever it's not that we that we uh build it it's mm-hmm. that we uncover it mm-hmm. yeah. and so i'd say that the same thing is happening historically with the text so mm-hmm. yeah i guess that was a poor choice of words for me to say the people who made these decisions but it does ultimately like uh it, it does make sense to say the people who were looking at these texts and they had the the specific what would you say knowledge that was privy to them at the time mm-hmm. you know? yeah no and the, the big debacle with, like, Jerome and other people was that Jerome did the research. It had nothing to do with faith base. It had nothing to do with self-authenticating anything. They, he went to the Jews because uh, he, he reasoned in himself that they would know about the Old Testament and know which books would be apocryphal and which would not. And that's what he says. he says. And that's a really good reason for not accepting Jerome's uh, inclusion of the apocrypha. No, he didn't include the, the apocrypha for that. He excluded it for that reason but he included it because of because, external influences mm-hmm. yeah the pope mm-hmm. yeah yeah but but that has nothing to do with self-authentication which or, is why i don't believe the apocrypha right but you believe the scripture is self-authenticating but there it was no there was no self-authenticating it was authenticated by the people who were in charge it wasn't authenticated by them absolutely they it makes sense. it was biblical it, it was curated by the people in charge would that be a fairer word uh, well, that, define it, curia, uh, these people said, all right, if we put these things together, they authenticate each other and itself. So perfect. I've curated it. I've bound it. That is it. Yeah, Some I mean, of the books. Is, yeah, as yeah. far as it plays out in history, I'm fine with using even the word curate. But it's like, did I, did I, uh, did I decide my election or did I discover my election? Hmm. It's like there was a truth that's already in place that God has determined before, you know, eternity passed. And then it's like, I discover it. But my 
oh, okay. And but you say, oh, but there was a specific preacher who preached to you, and they did preach specifically yeah. from this text, and that text, you know, and then you did have conversation with like your mouth, like you blew mm-hmm. air through your lungs. So like, how can you tell me? And it's like, well, sure, God uses means to to bring about His ends, but I don't think that that uh, at all negates the fact that these are God's ends that are being uh, worked toward. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not talking about providence. Because I, 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 like I said, I believe that the scriptures are put together providentially. But you talked about it's being self-authenticating and it being a faith-based kind of thing. Like we just naturally recognize but that. Even, even you would say that that doesn't mean anything. Because, I mean, the Chronicles of Narnia was put together providentially. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, right. So why I believe, and this goes back to the bigger mm-hmm. conversation in the scriptures, is because I believe in the sign gifts that accompany the men who these writings are attributed to. That's why I believe that. I think mm. that vindicated them at the time. Yeah. Yeah, but so, but what I'm saying is that's that's how scripture started becoming scripture. But you had a bunch of it. But even had... even the record of those men's gifts, like that record, is itself scripture or tradition. And yeah. so it's like you're gonna have to you're you're gonna have to take that Kierkegaardian leap into faith, you know, as well. Yeah, but that, that's what I'm saying is it's it's a leap of faith to say that the the scriptures are self-authenticating that's a leap of faith Mm -hmm. but you betray that by the existence of textual criticism you betray that by the way guys historically they debated on what was scripture a lot of that scripture was like yeah we already know this okay Mm -hmm. but you have books that are in the canon that didn't get in there without debate who decided that it wasn't one person it was the body so there was a uh, in a sense where the canon was chosen by the group of people who God entrusted to do such a thing. And I'm even comfortable with your use of the word chosen because in time that is the way that it manifests. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that they were the one, like that the reason that we have the canon that we have today is solely based on their determinations and not based on any predetermination that God had in play. Not just by role of providence, but okay. by role of intention. Mm-hmm. That it's God's intention to have those books. And like, if you're if you're gonna want me to say, well, how can you know you believe that you're the people of God, and you believe that you know the the set of texts should not include the apocrypha? The Catholics believe that they're the people of God, and they believe that the set of texts should include the apocrypha. I mean, I kind of go off of what Dan say said, where it's like the church they don't believe that the Bible is authoritative. They believe that the church is authoritative. And they've, uh, you know, decided what texts are authoritative. So they put themselves above the text. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go to, you know, I'm going to have to wrestle with you guys on kind of just your history and the papacy and celibacy of priests and uh, purgatory. And like, I feel like I can confidently say that the, the visible community of believers that is following God according to his will is not the Roman Catholic Church. Right. Like, but, I can say that very mm-hmm. confidently. And I think, like, without, like, I'm you, you need an average IQ, maybe. But, like, I think that even without that, like, you can, you can, mm-hmm. that becomes pretty clear through a reading of history and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Right. And I don't mm-hmm. think that because it's attested to through history or means, means that it wasn't God who, who mm-hmm. made these determinations. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're uncomfortable with, with thinking that, like it's almost it's almost like if God made a decision, it should the clouds should have just parted, and we should have seen this sign, or or someone like you said should have come down off the mountain, 
And it's like, no, we believe that God uses means through history to bring about his ends. Yes, but what were the use of the sign gifts? What were the use of the sign yeah, gifts? Yeah, what, 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 um, what was the, the, the definition? What was what? the mean? Like, what no, was no. the what was the intention of the sign yeah, gifts? What was, what was the, the function of them? Yeah. Um, it was to authenticate. Yeah, to, to show the legitimacy of God's messengers. Okay. But the message that you're saying is self-authenticating, which doesn't make any the sense. scriptures are self-authenticating. Right, but that's the message, which came from the messengers, who were authenticated. Not, not everything in scripture came from someone that had a sign gift behind it. All the prophets didn't have sign gifts. Yeah. How did you know they were prophets? Like, how do I know that Luke no, no, should no. be in the Bible? No, no, no. Uh, like Jeremiah, Obadiah, all those people. Yeah, how did you know they were prophets? Even, even if you want to say Luke, mm -hmm. which... Okay, so you have a guy who was not authenticated by God. He wasn't writing. an apostle. He, he, I mean, that we know of, he didn't do any sign gifts. And, so, he, and he wrote the gospel, yet you believe it's inspired. Yeah. Because. I mean, like I said, part of it's just because that's what God has chosen to preserve for his people. Through his people. He preserved it through means, yes. Okay, yeah, but you can't, you can't say that the people, that it was self-authenticating when the authentication, authentication is coming through tradition, which is coming through people. You can't, you can't accept, you can't divorce the two. I think you're confusing the production of a text because, like, a human did write it, with the source of its uh, mm -hmm. ultimate authority. Like the thing that vests mm -hmm. it with authority is not the person who wrote it. Right. Okay. But Luke was kept in the canon mm -hmm. by people throughout time. By God. Okay. Yeah, and he yeah, used those people. Yeah, use those people. Like he moved those people yeah, to right. come to the conclusions they did. Right. That's that's what you believe. Yeah. Okay. So you can't divorce the people preserving it from God's providence. It's so, not. It's not a divorce. It's me uh, saying that one is. Um, what would you say? This. Oh, what's what's the term people use for like super infralapsarianism, where it's like one is uh, not prior to. A priori, a posteriori. Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe yeah. it is prior to. Like, in in its philosophical mm -hmm. uh, reasoning, one is prior to the other. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm fine with it. Like, this this would be a much, a much harder argument, mm -hmm. you know, for me if I wasn't a Calvinist. If I didn't mm -hmm. believe that God had sovereignly brought about mm -hmm. all things as they are. Yeah, and I, and I get that you believe that God has sovereignly brought anything out. But... Sorry, that wasn't a, a jab. No, 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 no. Oh, it's, it's great because but, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, wait, I can just attribute that to milestones. <laughs> but, the, but what I'm saying is there's no evidence that's outstanding that's uh, that you would say is a sign from God right so the, other than the existence of the text as it is right but and, the existence of the text historical events having played out how they did yeah and the existence of the text as it is 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 from the 16th century it's not from the first century obviously the existence of the text as it is from the 16th century the 66 canon the the 66 book canon you're saying they, they the got rid of the canon since the first century no they, they haven't been reading those books since the first century all of those books no that's an assumption what book did they not read wait you, we we don't know exactly what books because it wasn't defined i can give you a list from the church fathers which church books. father at any saying like athanasius's no yeah. that, that, that's, that's not they, they <laughs> have agree. they have at least all of the books that are in the canon that we use now I, at least all the books because yeah. Athanasius left out Esther and he, he also included the, the letter to Baruch and 
But I'm Augustine. not saying I'm not saying his list is authoritative. I'm saying when you say that they didn't use any of those books, until, he's saying that they didn't have the table of contents. They didn't like have sixty six book canon. The like canon did. was pretty much closed by the second century. Is what mm. most scholars talk about. If you're talking about like liberal scholars that want to go on, well, when did the church officially counsel and say that we're going to use these books? Yeah, you can go up to like Council of Trent, maybe. But okay, but. But I'm not saying I'm saying that the, that no one sat together and said, "Let's vote on what books we decide are going to be in here." And the, that would be that the scripture's not self-authenticating. And if Athanasius doesn't include Esther, but the versions of the Tanakh that Jesus quotes from include the Book of Esther, it's like, well, then yeah, and the Septuagint not, as well. I'm not vesting Athanasius with the with the capacity to do yeah. this either. Right. Okay. But here's the thing: is that so? I, I wouldn't agree with the second century. You could read Eusebius where he he says like first peter second peter we found mm -hmm. to be inauthentic which was after the second century there the reason why the council even ha or the councils happened was because of the multitude of canons it wasn't because oh let's just we have a canon now we're just going to mess it up so but i think that almost kind of attests to our point because it's like okay you have eusebius yeah and eusebius has some authority right mm -hmm. and he goes we found first and second peter to be inauthentic and god's up in heaven like crossed arms is like eh, that that's not gonna fly like i'm gonna make sure it gets in there yeah but you but know? that only works for some of the books that you're talking about it works for all of the books we it have does, now it does not because does. whether you like it the or books not we have now or the books we have now again it's yeah that's protestants but the, the, the catholics did not just come up with the canon in the in the 16th century which is why i'm saying like the whole argument is is should we or should we not include the apocrypha? I think that's the only argument. It's not just having. the apocrypha; it's what's translated. Like if you're you're only including the the Roman Catholic canon, but there are there are at least six canons in Christian churches. You're not including the Syriac canon. You're not including the Greek Orthodox canon. So no, it's not. It's not just the Roman Catholic. It's easy just to be like, well, they're Roman mm -hmm. Catholics, but there are other people <laughs> who who and they were using this canon. The reason they're using this canon is because it precedes the Reformation. It even precedes the Great Schism. So Jerome, in his personal opinion, says this is apocrypha, and through my scholarly work, not because it doesn't self-authenticate, it's through my scholarly work and through my discussions with the Jews, this is not, this is, in my opinion, is not to be in the king. I don't... However, the Pope, who is a bishop and who I submit authority to, because I believe the Bible says I should submit authority to him, he is saying to include it. And, and that's why the Reformation had to cut down the books to 66. And it didn't even happen immediately, because even in Martin Luther's books, the Apocrypha was still included. It happened gradually that it just was completely cut out from any Yeah, and the Bible. Anglicans too, right? Like King James Version of the so, Bible. But it's like, I okay, I'll, I will concede that I don't know as much about Syriac Christian hmm. uh, theology, like to, to be confident that those aren't the people of God. But like I'm confident that the Roman Catholic Church is not in alignment with, uh, and and I could make the same arguments against Greek Orthodoxy, and I, like, tell me what the other three are. Well, because all and, you're gonna say is that because they don't have the sixty-six book. No, canon. no, no. I think I can use a Catholic canon, if if it's the Scripture alone. I think I can use a Catholic canon to discredit Catholicism. The thing is, is that they're going to say it doesn't matter because if our popes have also issued these decrees, right. then what's in the Old Testament, Apocrypha, and New Testament is superseded by what the popes say. And it's like, I think I can make mm -hmm. arguments against Catholicism from a Catholic Bible. Okay, okay, but... Roman Catholic. Yeah, but it's not just the Roman Catholic as you know it. Okay. These, these, these arguments go way back, right? So it's like you're going to have to argue against the church fathers. I, I guess to me it almost seems like, uh, you know, I know the Roman Catholics are not the only one, 
but the Syriac Christian church, like they don't have the same historical significance. So it's like, if I can beat the big boss, then I feel comfortable that I can beat the earlier like sub bosses in the video game. <laughs> you're making it the big boss because you're a Protestant. No, 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 no. There, it, there's no argument that the Roman Catholic Church has been far more um, historically significant and active than the the Greek Orthodox Church or the Syriac Christian Church. In the West, not in the Dude, East. I mean, what are you going to say? What, 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 what I... are you going to say to authenticate? Okay, you have Russia, which kind of becomes Eastern Orthodox, like a different Eastern Orthodox yeah. afterwards. Uh, are you going to say, like, the interactions with the Persian Empire? Or are you going to say the interactions with the Coptic Christians down in Egypt? Like, it's, that, it's and that's, not... And that's another church right there. But it's not, like... Well, the Coptics it, was a heretical group that splintered. No, just they were not pales, heretical. They it were pales in comparison. They were okay. misunderstood. Okay, yes. that, that's kind of... We're going to have to have a separate episode. <laughs> I know, I know. Really so this is why I wish uh, Austin was here, because he would he, he could get into that himself. But, but, yeah. but, but there's no question that the influences of all these other, mm-hmm. you know, the Eastern Orthodox, whatever else it is you want to say, like whatever you want to bring up, they pale in comparison to the overreach, like... I think that yes. I think that there's a reason that Luther could say, and I, I, I'm not saying that he was necessarily right, but that when he thought of the Antichrist. capital A Antichrist, he yeah. wasn't like, oh, it's those Syriac Christians. Yeah. He's like, the Pope has his arms mm-hmm. stretched around the world. We're starting to to mm-hmm. discover new places and colonize and all this stuff, and it looks like it's Spain and Portugal and yeah. and like these countries are in the clutches mm-hmm. of Roman Catholicism. The West. So it's like I and you know this, this isn't. This isn't the end-all, be-all of the argument, but it's like, boy, I feel like if I can go toe-to-toe with the Roman Catholic Church, then I'm not, like, afraid of the Syriac Christian Church. Now, I'll need to do some study on them. Um, so, why do you need to do... What do you mean you need to do study on them and the reason? Well, just because I think it's important to know specifically uh, where other... Uh, where people go astray in right. their uh, interpretations of Scripture. But it, really, the difference is on the stream of tradition. No. Like I said, Absolutely. from a Catholic Bible, you can r- reliably refute Roman Catholicism. The problem is not that yeah. their canon is different. The problem is it doesn't matter. Because if one pope says priests can marry, and then the next pope says they can't, and if one pope says, uh, I mean, gosh, like, even look at the Counter-Reformation and the Council of Trent and all that, it's like, it doesn't matter what their canon said. They never, it's not that they never cared about it in the first place, but they think that there's a guy who's sitting over the canon and he's making the decisions rather than the canon making their decisions. Let me make this point. I think it bears saying, right? The canon that the Reformation winnowed down mm-hmm. is not the result of a pope's position. I'm aware. Right? So then, I'm happy about that. Yeah. So the canon that you had to winnow down comes from... The canon that... So prior to the winnowing? Yes. Okay. That canon, it was solidified in Trent, but it was taught and held to be scripture in other places around the world, including the West. Including the West as in like Roman Catholicism? Yes, even before the schism, even before the schism. So in the Catholic Church, East and West, the canon included the Apocrypha, always. It never not included that. If you're saying... If you're not including one person's idea of a canon, okay? So when the church came together and they witness and they're saying, this is what we believe to be canon. And the reason they say we believe this would probably be a lot of the same reasons you say that you would believe in the 66th book. 
which is like, oh, this self-authenticates self and this has been passed on by tradition time and time again. You know, we believe and we trust in the church fathers that God has preserved the church and that God will preserve through the church the canon. This is the canon. Okay? That's when it happened. Now in the, now that's why I was saying in the 16th century, that's when it became winnowed. And that's when you're saying God decided to intervene and say, oh, well, these are the books that I meant for my people. I said the last word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I... I mean, is that, so is that what you're saying, basically, is that God stepped in in the, in the 16th century and decided, okay, now my Bible will be... No, because... And I think, I think some of this does have to do with the fact that you do see doubt really, really early on. It has to do with the fact that God's people, you know, if, if we're going to use the phrase God's people, for a lot of that time, didn't have access to any of the Bible. Right, because what is it? The Council of Toulouse. If you're if you're a layperson, you only have access to maybe some of the Book of Psalms in your own language, right? And that's pretty much it. So, uh, I mean, I I think that even if you have the apocrypha included, it's not like oh, all of God's people through all of this time, like like you're saying, like they were all attesting to the fact that the it's these how many are in the apocrypha? It's like I want to say like twelve 70. or. 70? No, no, no. Oh, not in the part of, like, all together. Yeah, no. I think it brings it up to, like, 74, and then or... I think 80 okay. is the Greek Orthodox. Okay. Canon. But it's like, uh, that they're that they're holding up this 70 book and it's like, no, most of them are, like, what they have in their hands is a, is a plow. Okay, 15 in the Apocrypha. So it's like, what they have in right, their hands right, is right. a plow, and, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to not starve to death. Yeah. And uh, they're being taken advantage of. They're being fleeced by a corrupt group of priests um, who are also, I mean, not necessarily... It, it gets worse, you know, as, as the Middle Ages uh, go on. You definitely see waves of this coming and going. But I'm going to say that those priests who think that, like, oh, I must remain celibate, e even though, like, despite what I see in the text, mm -hmm. because the Pope tells me I must remain celibate, I must remain celibate, and therefore, like, you know, I, I I, am going to preach from this canon to the people and really in a language that they don't understand, and I'm even going to give mass in the language. I'm not comfortable calling those the people of God. And if you say, like, the people of God for a thousand years were holding up the, the canon, including the Apocrypha, I'm like, if by that you mean Roman Catholics, then hmm. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with you, you know? So there was... And I'm not one of those guys who says, like, oh, there was always this strain of people. Like, I told you about that, right? That I grew mm. up being taught that there was always this strain of people, you know, the Baptists, the few, the proud, and, like, resisting the, the Catholic seven-headed dragon and, uh, um, you know, that they always had the right canon. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not saying that, but I'm saying, like, it is God's providence that certainly post-Reformation we've entered into a uh, age of a lot more clarity and a lot more open discussion on this. And it seems like really quickly we got to where, where people are literate. Um, we, we got to this point where um, we have what we have. No, yeah. But so, okay. So there's a problem with the Catholic priests and because of their, their doctrine and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, when Martin Luther comes along, you're saying that God rose him up. Yeah, and he did the best he could. I mean, he was he was also uh, didn't he believe in the sinlessness of Mary? Like he believed yeah, I don't he believed so. some wacky stuff yeah. that was kind of just a carryover yeah. from. So why doesn't that cause <laughs> questions? Well, I don't I don't 
take a Lutheran uh, Bible, like a German Lutheran Bible. Uh, you take the canon, though, that he helped create. And that, uh, that eventually he was... I mean, but what who, was his level of involvement with that? But it's like, if I do, it wouldn't be because of his influence. Like, I think there's plenty, mm -hmm. we, and we've talked about this as well, like, there's there's plenty to like and plenty to kind of make you, um, you know, mm -hmm. take a second glance about the life of Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. Right. But so not, he's another imperfect vessel that God is using. Is, was there a perfect vessel? Jesus. Jesus. I know. No, I know. <laughs> Jesus. But, I know this in, one. I know. In, in the Reformation. No. 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 So no. you still have the same problems that you're going to have with the Catholics, just a different flavor, okay? So why do you trust this canon? It's not because, again, it's self-authenticating. It's not because it's purely on faith base. I think some of that, because some of it is God-breathed, it will speak to your heart, absolutely. But you, you believe the 66-book canon either by tradition or because you did your research. That's, that's, that's it. That's, that's how... It was even in the Reformation. Why I, did they even question the canon? Why? Why do you believe in the resurrection? Why do I believe in the resurrection? Because yeah. I believe it's it's a miracle and it's attested by others. Will who, you believe it because you believe it's a miracle? I believe it's a miracle. Okay, why do you believe that yeah. the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually because I, happened? Because I think it was attested by people who signed gifts were authenticated. I'd say there's a very ultimate and real sense in which you have to say, I accept that a dead guy stopped being dead... Not because enough people said it, but because the spirit has produced faith. In yeah, me. And, and that. But I don't think that then it becomes wrong to be like, wow, like look at this uh, account of Jerome, mm -hmm. and he's talking about this community of people, like I, I that that are attesting to the resurrected. Like I don't think it's wrong mm -hmm. to read historical accounts mm -hmm. of things that you have faith happened. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Just to to explore those things. No, I, I, I and that's why we talk about growing the the consensus of the church for the canon throughout history uh is because it was self-authenticating to them as well right they saw in the group and it was pretty early on that the majority not all like you're saying there's all there is some questions over certain books but the vast majority of the scripture uh was pretty early on yeah accepted this is what we go to there was a couple should we put the apocrypha in should we put take these books out but for the most part how did they get to that? It was self-authenticating because different groups in different areas all came to the idea that these books are the ones that we hold up above. Mm -hmm. And then these other books, because there were other books they were passing around that aren't even in the Apocrypha that they said are helpful, but we're yeah. not going to put them in there. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul's letters that we referenced that uh, he wrote, you know, and, and as John says, if you write everything about everything that there is yeah. to write about Jesus, it couldn't fit in all the books in all the world. We're sure that there's other books and stories there that weren't preserved. Um, so to me, it's self-authenticating, not just because it's self-authenticating to me, it was self-authenticating to them, too. Yeah, but so doesn't that go to what I'm saying? In what sense? If the Bible was self-authenticating, then that, that would, it wouldn't be because other people have felt like it was self-authenticating. It would be because when you read it, it authenticates itself to you. It's a very selfish way of thinking that. I, I agree. That it's just because self authentic because it's self-authentic to me. But I, I, I would... Versus the faith passed down. Right, and I would agree. And mm -hmm. so that's why I'm saying the faith was passed down by people. God preserved his word not mm -hmm. through the, the, the binding of the Bible surviving thousands of years. It was because people of faith preserved it. That's what you believe, right? That's what, And that's what I'm saying. It, it comes down to tradition and to research. I'd say that that tradition attests to it. 
but I I would go so far as to say that it does have a lot to do with the spirit's interaction with the individual mm-hmm. and instilling in them a sense of... Because mm-hmm. uh, I've gone through and read the Apocrypha. Do I feel like it's binding for faith? No. No. Because there's not much in there, really. It's weird, yeah. Yeah, That's and, there's, get it. and there's not... Uh, there's Dude, some heroic Tobit. stories. and Tobit's some, really some, weird. Tobit's you know, it's, cool, and To me, man. it's like... <laughs> I feel like Tobit should be a video game. Yeah. And like so, an old... Like eight bit side scroller, <laughs> and so do I think like what they said. It's helpful. Well, yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff. I'm intrigued history that fills in the gaps, but nothing that's authoritative the way that the rest of the scriptures be. All of it doesn't point to Christ the way the rest of the scriptures point to Christ. And you I think believe that's Song of Solomon points to Christ. I believe that Jesus said all scripture points to Him. He didn't define what all scripture is though. Law and the prophets, all scripture. Uh, Song of Solomon is neither the prophet or law. Yeah, I think you're going to have to go a little bit more into what that means when he's like, Look, I totally, I, I totally yeah. agree. Like, maybe there are other books. Or Law and Prophet Psalms, he also says, which is the threefold. And Song of Solomon is not either of those. It is. The it Psalms is, not... is another shorthand for the writings. It's... There's only three sections in, script, in the Tanakh law, prophets, writings. And, and the writings Song includes, okay, okay, okay. doesn't it? I mean, the writings includes things as diverse as. You know the songs, oh, the Ecclesiastes. Song of Solomon. No, well, it includes like Ruth, isn't Ruth? And in Daniel, because yeah. Daniel's Daniel, not considered yeah. a prophet. So yeah. Daniel's a prophet, but he's not in the Nevi'im. Right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and like Joshua is, they don't right? Consider him a prophet. But Joshua is a Nevi'im, right? Yeah, jo- he's in the Nevi'im. Histori- and Daniel the tells the future, yeah. and he's not considered a prophet. Right. And these and the people who who consider all this and, and divide all this, um, they preserved the faith. Right? Is that what they attested to it? Yeah, and who were these people? God's people. The Jews who rejected Jesus. Well, I mean, are the Jews who rejected Jesus the the ones who? That's yeah. No, that's that's who. I mean, there are there are Jews who rejected Jesus. I don't know that they're the ones who came up with the you know tripartite division of the of the Tanakh. No, that would have been specifically. Like that was that was before. Yeah. Well, they they kept that, they kept that tradition. Okay. It, it, and it was who the early Christians who, uh, again, it brings your own because he was such a big influence. Mm-hmm. It is he that those are the people that he referred to, mm-hmm. but these were not believing Jews. I, I'm confused if you're trying to say that the people who came up with that tripartite way of dividing. No, it's not just the tripartite. The it was that they attested that these are the books that the Jews have always accepted. Yeah. So if those are the Jews that were being accepted at the time of Jesus. But for, who did they hear that say, from? Then we would say that well, Jesus went to a synagogue and he used their text and then they pushed him out. That's yeah, that's, that's So that's not that's not an argument against the legitimacy of the text that happened to be in that synagogue at the, the time. What you're saying The fact to, that those people then mm-hmm. drove him out to a cliff and tried to throw him off. Right, but what you're saying is that the texts that Jesus had are the texts that we have and the texts that we have is not something that was attested by any apostolic authority. It was attested to us by Jews who were not believing, the ones that people, that God rejected. That was a big help. That is a big criticism against how the Protestants went ahead and, and decided to the, the way they went about the canon. That was a big criticism against Jerome. It, it was a controversy. So like to say, so that's what I'm trying to say is like, and I'm fine if you guys agree with that. If you're going to agree with Jerome, that's fine. But that is not self-authenticated i don't believe that because jerome said something should be in the bible that it's right in the bible yeah, yeah. i don't i don't and believe I, that and Jerome's... i don't think it because the protestants and the reformation believe it right you believe it's self-authentic uh, 
self-authenticating to mm -hmm. you. I. This is what I'm saying. Like, and you guys are going back. And, okay, so yeah. that plus there seems to be a reliable. Um, there's not. There seems to be a reliable. I think it's strain I think of that happening. Of what? Of God attesting mm -hmm. to the legitimacy of those books to His people. Of God now attesting. The Spirit, you know, who's at work in us, who's convincing us mm -hmm. you know, See, to follow the Scripture. Okay, so why then was there a debate? I mean, all of these guys are Christians. They all have the Spirit. They're all self-authenticated, right? But that doesn't mean that they're infallible. Okay, so, like, why why you believe in something that's infallible or fallible? I believe in something that's fallible. The canon. The canon? Yes. It was, you, you're, so you want to say they're fallible. In what they this because I'm like if they if hang they, on in what they in what they said was the canon. But again, I think that they discovered the canon. I don't think that they infallibly I, or fallibly. I, I think that they fallibly yeah stumbled their way okay. toward eventually discovering the canon. Okay. Okay. But well, so what? I'm oh, sorry. They no, no, in no, their fallibility stumbled their way toward eventually discovering. This the is canon. The, this is the same problem when it comes to the gifts. How did imperfect people write a perfect book? I mean, you could you could spirit, break it down. It working, yeah. yeah, but you keep saying the spirit, but you won't say the spirit. Hang on, can hang air. on. Same problem as the gifts. Yeah, well, it's, it's all of this. It's all it, it covers all these levels. You don't want to say that God can err, right? Okay. So, by nature or by His substance, the fruit of God will be infallible. Okay. The fruit of God. Okay. Like, like, okay. Right. So, and that's the why we hold deeds of God. Yeah, and that's why we hold Scripture to be infallible because it's God breathed. There's God is the source. Okay. But I'm saying there's error and what you still want to say, well, it was still God in some sense, or what like error? I should still have, you, what error did you say that was in scripture? What error? Yeah. What error? Not, not necessarily in the, in the scripture, but in the copying of the scriptures. And then mm -hmm. also nowadays in the preaching of the scriptures, mm -hmm. there's always going to be error. Error in the preaching of the scriptures in how what sense that they get the words wrong in the, in the scriptures? Uh, when not, I get, when I get, get the, up there and I you're read, saying get the interpretation wrong. Get the interpretation. That's wrong, different yeah. than saying that scripture has errors. That's well, very different. I'm not, I'm not saying scriptures in that what's the God breathed content. I'm talking about the manuscripts, the copying of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. like that's saying that the piano is broken because the guy plays the wrong notes at the wrong time. No, what I'm saying is that the piano is fine. Well, I'm not even talking about the piano. I'm talking about the the pianist. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're saying that the pianist, so why did you do that? If you're saying that the pianist plays perfectly, and he gets a note wrong, then I'm telling you the pianist is not perfect. Yeah, I believe that. Okay, but how how then do you attribute a perfect source to the fact that it's imperfect? To the what, fact that what's imperfect? To the composer. To the composer. Yeah, I don't know where you're getting. I think that. No, okay. no, no. Okay, so so I think that God. Yeah uses means i yes. think that the means that are present are present in a cursed world yeah and they're therefore in some way they'll be affected by the curse right no i, I we, we get that but like there are times where god intervenes and there that imperfection is gone right mm -hmm. for instance the scripture what was god breathed right okay so the canon I'm saying there was debates, there were errors. There were errors in the way that people thought what was scripture or what was canon was or wasn't, okay? And that there was consensus or at least a, a, an attempt at a consensus at what was canon because there was debate among different groups of people, okay? 
So that to me is natural. That's not supernatural. But you're saying that it is somehow supernatural. And the evidence, there's, there's nothing there. I, I don't know that I would say it's supernatural. Like God is using natural means to bring about his intent. Okay, so but, but what was his help then? Because a human being could have done the same thing without... No, his, his help is his ultimate intention of all this. Sure. It's like if you go, um, uh, the birth of Mary, right. the mother of Jesus. I mean, that was God intended for that, Yeah. right? But it's not like he broke the laws of nature and like spoke to her parents, you know, to get mm. together. Or what. It's like he used a very natural course, but it wound up bringing about something that was, you know a really, really big deal. Yeah. And then Mary winds up being the mother of Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I'm I'm not saying... I mean, this kind of goes back to my kind of weird way of defining miracle is like a law of nature being broken. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I don't think any laws of nature were being broken in the in the way that uh, the canon was uncovered. Right. But I think that mm -hmm. God used natural uh, means. Yeah. And he kind of uses them in his own way, and he winds up accomplishing his purposes, which is to, to uh, to have many canons. uncover, to uncover the the canon that he wants for his people. To to, to have many canons. Do you think that it was God that designed the many canons? Do you think that there was? Because uh, remember that there's also satanic forces that work I against the church. I absolutely agree. That could say, "Let me throw in a couple of extra canons to confuse people." I absolutely agree. So why wouldn't that be happening in the background? I'm, I'm not saying it's. Not. And I mean, you could you could I guess make the same argument about like the Book of Mormon, is that it is in within it is within God's providential will and his that intention. a Syriac. Uh, yeah, and sure, mm -hmm. his his providential intention, but it's yeah. not within his moral will mm -hmm. that those be the ones that his people mm -hmm. uh, right. strive after. Yeah, right. And so, so being that that's the case, what, what, that goes back to my argument that it was a natural thing, mm -hmm. okay, not a supernatural thing. Didn't mm -hmm. break any laws or anything. Yeah. So your assumption that this canon over that canon mm -hmm. and this people over that people isn't faith based. And it isn't by the spirit. That's natural. Nah. That's the, I'm not with you. Because I, well, I, because, I yeah, because while because while I do really believe that I could go toe to toe with a Catholic, I know there are plenty of Catholics that I could go toe to toe with any Protestant. So it's not like my confidence in oh that I'm smarter than any Catholic theologian, because there probably are Catholic theologians, there definitely are Catholic theologians who could trip me up a lot. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, in my because of my confidence that I could overcome them in a debate, that's why I choose mine over the other. Like ultimately I do have to attribute that to something other than uh, myself and like that's faith. That that faith that you're talking about was passed down to you traditionally by men. Is passed God used means of like my parents and I grew up in Kind of okay. the the same mm -hmm. with the same canon that I now attest right. to, even though I grew up mm -hmm. King James only. So 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 let me okay. So this this is the difference. Matt or Paul comes to me and preaches a gospel. So and, are you living back then, or is he yeah, now? It doesn't matter. That doesn't yeah. matter. Okay, sure. Uh, I'll accept that it doesn't matter. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm going to assume that he's in today's world. Yeah, and he can, comes to you and preaches. All right, he preaches me the gospel. Okay, I see him raise the dead. Okay. I see miracles attribute or, or attesting to. Him. And there's two thousand years between you and the gospel that he's preaching. Sure. All right. I have a sign gift there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is what our faith is grounded on. On the signs? 
100%. No, because Peter says on the more sure word of Scripture. And Paul says if, even if an angel... He or, says our more word, or our more sure word. Okay? He's saying the Old Testament, the Scriptures. No, I, I, I think he's he's saying, like, well, the reason why he brings up the transfiguration is, like, I saw all of this. And, and back then, these prophets were writing prophecies, and the Spirit was leading them. But now we even have a more sure word. Which is... The Gospel. And why do they believe in, in Peter? Why do they believe in Paul? Because of the sign gifts. Why did God give him the sign gifts? So that people can see. And, and, and like, it's not an but, easy thing. But again, like Dan said, there are plenty of people who see the gifts and they still reject. And they're not saved. You believe as a Calvinist. So who, who cares? The gifts for believing. <laughs> no, but the gifts for believing are for believers. But the, but the gifts, although they might be means to an end, you can't say that the gift is the reason that I believe... Paul over, you know, the sons of Sceva. Even Jesus says, if you don't believe in my words, believe in the works I've done. The gifts were not there for just sh showing off. They and were there to confirm. did those people believe him, period? A, a lot of them did. He I was mean, talking to the, he was talking to the apostles. And of course a lot of them didn't. That's the judgment. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, is that there was a sign gift for that. There was something supernatural. That's what our faith is grounded on. The, the signs are not the reason that some people believe and others don't believe. If that was the case, everyone who saw a, a particular sign would believe, and everyone who mm -hmm. didn't would not believe. Yeah, I would go to, I would go to uh, Paul on this one and go to Romans, where he says, How does faith come about? How do we believe the gospel? Do we believe it because of the signs? We believe it because the word. Faith comes through hearing the word. And hearing through who? And hearing through the preacher. And who's the preacher? The person saying the word of it. Literally sometimes being the person that stood up and just read the scriptures. Yeah, but at that time, there were sign gifts. And people in Rome are listening to Paul because he did miracles. That You can't, okay, you can't divorce so that. That's actually a really... That's a misunderstanding of what was happening in the New, Te New Testament times. He didn't come to every church and go, I'm preaching to you. <laughs> the sign gifts were more rare even in that time. How do you know that? Because it attested, like he talks about naturally, Timothy, take some wine for your stomach. Yeah. I'm not going to come and heal you. That, that, that's, that's fine. And then there's times when he does like the miracles. He's not expect, like he gets bit by the snake. He doesn't expect to survive it. And then that miracle happens. If he didn't expect to survive it, why didn't he just ask for help? He shook it off and went, went about his business. That's an argument for silence. That's not going to well, get us But there. what you're saying is an argument for silence because just because it doesn't say there was any miracles here doesn't mean there weren't. In fact, what, what a lot of scripture is saying is that the miracles have been going throughout all the world with the preaching of the word. That's what Paul says. So the, the, the fact is that the only reason the faith stood the way it did was because God was with these people. And God was with these people and manifesting himself. The reason, that, the only reason that the everything faith that it had to is because overcome. God was with his people. Yeah. I believe that. But it, but it was manifesting through sign gifts. Now, not always. Even if not always, they were there. It, it's not like, oh, 300 so, so years then, ago. So then the signs are not the end-all, be-all thing that transfers people from non-believing to believing. Okay, so if I didn't see Paul do a miracle, would there not going to be te uh, testimony witnesses attesting to that? Wouldn't okay. it eventually okay. start falling around? So, so you and I, yeah. we, neither of us see the miracle. Right. And then Miguel the saw the miracle. Yeah. And then, and then Miguel comes and then tells us, believe? and you believe and I don't believe. Yeah. What makes the difference? Is it his testimony? No, we believe no. that the Spirit is the one who's at work engendering mm -hmm. faith in you and not in me. Okay, but, but here's Regardless the Regardless of whether we saw the sign or we heard about the sign or, mm -hmm. or didn't see or didn't hear.
Well, you would have nothing to hear about if there was no sign. But okay, okay. So and I believe there were signs. Yeah, but I don't believe that they are the thing that engendered faith in people. It's not that that caused the people to have faith. It was the means by which God was confirming something to have faith in. To confirm? Okay. Yeah. So, but so what I'm going to ask. But not to engender. Right. But faith. I'm going to ask you about the canon. Where are those sign gifts? Why they're, do you? Why do they're you have... attested to in the canon? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. About where the canon. Are they? Yeah. Where, where are the sign gifts attesting that this is the canon? Because you, you're saying it's faith based. Okay, where are the sign gifts of but like you, Athanasius? But he just who said, said that yeah. he doesn't but, think the sign like, gifts is what engenders what, faith. So his faith based in the canon doesn't depend on signs. Yeah. No, it the the signs are there in in the gospel, right? Okay. The the gospel has to do with this guy named Jesus, mm -hmm. and okay. he's saying that he's the Son of God. That's not it, right? The signs aren't the thing that. No, no. What I'm yeah. saying is that's just not like, just the gospel. I mean, like the Book of James. Like I don't believe mm -hmm. the Book of James is canon because of a sign that James did or. Mm -hmm. Or that a sign that Athanasius did when he was like, you know, abracadabra, mm -hmm. rabbit out of the hat, James should be in the canon. You you don't believe that James is in the canon because of a sign gift that he did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But why did people believe it was canon when they were first discovering the canon? It was because of the sign gifts. It's we are the power of the word. It wasn't just about the power of the word. They believed there was power in the word because they saw power. Show me dude, the sign. Dude, like, show you this the is, sign? Yeah, show me the sign. It We're, acts. It's, it's at, everywhere. At this point, we are just talking by past each other because we, yeah. Dan and I keep saying there are people who saw the same signs and they didn't believe. I know. The signs don't engender the faith. The, but signs, not, are not the, thi the, yeah. the signs are not the thing upon which people's faith rests. That's not what the Holy Spirit uses to, in, to create faith. He uses the word. And why do you and believe that? And sometimes it's attested to by science. Because of the because, word. Yeah. And why do you believe the word? Because at the some whole, point... Because, because the Holy Spirit authenticated the word, which is what through, I've been saying this whole night. Yeah, but through somebody. You, you, it's easy for no. us being 2,000 no. years after the fact, never seeing we a miracle. We don't believe but that through somebody. They did! Through the we seal of the Holy did. Spirit. They did, and that's what it's How attested. Do you, have you met them? You sound like you met them. It was recorded in Scripture. That every single person that believed in the New Testament saw a sign, and that their faith was a result of a sign that they, they saw. They believed in the sign gifts. Did they well, say that to you? That's are what there, Scripture are there people says. Who no, heard Scripture about those never signs says they, they saw the, the signs canon? and they believed. They said they heard the word preached and they believed. No, that's not that's not the case in all the places. I mean, you can. I I don't know. If I right can off find the one place, then in you're Acts. wrong. In Acts. No, I'm saying no, if I can saying, find yeah. one place where a sign gift isn't there and they believed, then you're wrong. No, because I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I, okay, so let me clarify real quick. <laughs> you gave me a really easy argument okay. there. The I'm not saying that it's the sign gift that goes into your heart and changes it. What I'm saying is, what is the Holy Spirit pointing to? Jesus. Jesus. Yes, but why? Yeah, I know because he's the Son of God. <laughs> but what what makes you think it's the Holy Spirit pointing to you to something? It's because he's doing things. That was Wait, part well, of the on, men, messianic on. ministry. Like when when the, my you're eyes. You're saying the sign gift is the confirmation. Absolutely. And there's no confirmation when it comes to the canon. I'd say attestation. You know? It doesn't really even matter. Where is the attestation of the canon that you believe in that you're saying is the Spirit? That's what I'm trying to get at. You, 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 your faith is the Spirit did this and this is why I believe, right? Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. there's, there's sign gifts to the faith. So you're saying unless I see, I can't have faith? No, like tell me someone who saw a gift that said, hey, you know... Um, while Martin Luther was writing down and studying the scriptures mm -hmm. and was saying that this is a part and you know this shouldn't the be Holy in there. Spirit again, in this are apart from 
So. Yeah, again, I don't I don't believe that there has to be a sign. I think, honestly, I think and like this isn't a dig, yeah. but I think this is a lot of the, the Catholic roots of, of your faith that are kind of um, showing themselves where it's like you, it's almost like you think that unless there's a sign that attests to something that it's illegitimate. And it's like, I believe, I believe the canon that we have without there being a sign. I don't, the, the type of faith that I'm talking about does not uh, have as its precondition that there be some sign. Mm-hmm. In the Pentecostal you know? church, they preach the word of God. And they speak in tongues. Why don't you believe they're speaking in tongues? They preach the word of God. Yes. What do you mean? Like they preach? They preach from the Bible. From your preach, Okay, canon. so they preach from my canon. Yeah. And they speak in tongues. I'm, I'm asking why don't you believe that the, the tongues is... is That they come to the conclusion. Why do I believe that they are not truly speaking in tongues? Yes. Yeah. Um, because they say enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, that's, that's fi- but that's fine. But like someone can claim to have the spirit. And someone can claim, and we talked about this already, that this is the word of God. Someone can claim it, right? Yeah. That that's anybody. That could be a false teacher, or it could mm-hmm. be a real teacher. Yeah. Okay. The the difference there, when the 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 reason why I know that Paul, for instance, or I believe that Paul, mm-hmm. okay, because yeah, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I'm putting my faith in something that was said about this guy, mm-hmm. and he's telling me a message, and I believe it because on good faith. Of what what mm-hmm. happened with him okay okay mm-hmm. i think i'm with you all right so you do the same thing when it comes to people doing sign gifts now and you don't believe because there's something there that you're yeah, so saying that's that's like evidence of me believing in uh direct contrast to what claims to be a sign gift okay but you believe a sign gift is something and you believe this is not the sign gift that's is that the yeah so, i'm not saying that miracles never happened no, I'm I'm not saying you're saying that miracles never happen, Travis. What I'm what I'm saying is that our faith is grounded in the miracles. It's given yeah. to us. Hold on, it's given to us by it's God. It's attested to. I'd say it's attested to by the miracles. Honestly, I think that it doesn't matter if you say attested or grounded. Because well, yeah, if because you say it's the, the ground of, of something, yeah. then it's like your faith could not exist without. Yeah, it. you believe in a supernatural being. Okay. Yeah. By your definition of a miracle, because he breaks these laws, everything about him is miraculous. Okay, he creates, he creates and uses the natural, but he himself is not natural. God is spirit. He's not flesh. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can't say like what what you're trying to say is that somehow the supernatural of it all does not play into this. And it's like even when you talk about the spirit doing something, that is apparently, I don't know, the bending or a breaking, but that that's something there. So it's like there's always something supernatural. Right. And I just I want to know, like, historically speaking, in the Bible, they're usually when it comes to something this big, when it's the word of God, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there usually are these sign gifts. Where are the sign gifts when it comes to the canon? Because mm-hmm. the way you speak about how you believe in the canon is the same way you speak about your faith mm-hmm. in, 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 in the word. So that's I, what I'm trying to get at. I see. But the thing is, is that I haven't agreed to one of your reasoning. You're saying A equals B. So therefore, where's your C? I haven't agreed to A yet. Right. I haven't agreed that the basis of the truth is in the actions or in the events. I say it's in the words of Scripture, not the events. Right. And the miracles, and that's not where the authority lies, is in the, the sign gifts. That these signs are a seal of, yeah, this, this what was given by God, yeah. But it's not that because of the miracles, now I understand that this is divine. It already was divine. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But you still, if the canon, the way you talk about it, it seems like it has a divine origin. So where's the thing that leads you saying, yeah, this is divine? Okay. There's nothing. 
yeah. other than the spirit. And and that's no, that's no, you don't even have that. You don't even have saying. that. Why don't I have that? Because, because we, the same Pentecostal preachers that you were saying that aren't speaking in tongues are saying the same thing. Okay, so about a half hour ago, we said we were going to try and tie yeah. this up in a bow. But and and I'm not like I'm not just trying to choke it off. This actually is. You actually said things that um, wound up leading to what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. even though I kind of already had this in mind as a way of um, kind of tying this up. I feel like, Eric, you're you're treating this as though it's my argument versus your argument or like, you know, my argument versus the Catholics argument. And then whoever has the best argument wins. And I'm almost thinking of this like, OK, uh, I have an egg in my pocket and Miguel has an egg in his pocket. And like, OK, we all have eggs in our pockets. And like Miguel knows that his is a plastic egg. And like, I'm really sure that mine is like a real egg. And like, I haven't crushed it yet and seen if there's a yolk mm-hmm. inside. And like, maybe some of us have a real egg and we're we're worried about maybe it's you know whether it's plastic and then some people have a plastic egg but they're like sure that it's a real egg and it's like okay but regardless of how good my argument is against your egg like that's not what determines the reality of the thing Mm -hmm. and it will become manifest over time whose egg is real and whose egg is plastic you know Mm -hmm. but it's like whether whether my argument um and I'm not I'm not trying to be like anti-intellectual here, no. um, but like whether my argument uh, follows the same syllogism as yours or or, you know, can supersede yours or whether I'm a uh, whether I feel like I have a, a more uh, well built knowledge base to draw from mm-hmm. or, or better church history, church tradition to draw mm-hmm. from. Like that's not going to determine whether the egg in my pocket is real. It's real regardless of how good my argument is or, mm-hmm. or how even how sure I am of it mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, um, you are right that there are there are almost certainly Pentecostals out there who have stronger faith in a false system of worship than I have mm. in what, you know, let's go, just go ahead and say is the true system of worship. Maybe I'm wrong. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. sure, maybe I'm maybe. wrong. And uh, I feel like I hold those things with an open enough hand mm-hmm. that um, that it's like I, I want the spirit to be the one who's at work in me. It's, it's not going to be mm-hmm. like if I go to a Pentecostal church and somebody speaks in tongues or... Man, even if like I I hear a voice in my head or whatever, like that's not going to be the thing that ultimately changes the nature of my belief. It's like I believe it is going to be the spirit that is that it's based on. And then if you're using the word based on versus like me saying attested to by, um, I think that's why I'm so insistent on using mm-hmm. one term rather than the other. So it's like maybe my egg is fake and like I should be speaking in tongues. And but it's like man. I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm not filled with a sense of panic or um, distress. And I actually am filled with a, a pretty calm sense of confidence that, like, my egg is real, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I yeah. just don't, I don't find myself freaking out. And I find myself freaking out about a lot of things. So it's not like, oh, I just, I have a calmer temperament or, like, a more mellow personality. Like, uh, I, I, I mm-hmm this just isn't one of those things for me mm-hmm. so and i know that even that even everything that i just said there is not like the end-all be-all argument yeah. and i could still be wrong and, and that's it's like i think that's the tricky thing when you say i the my my faith is in that the holy spirit authenticates it and how do i and then you ask well how do you define your faith how do you get to that point well how does any of us define faith that's a hard thing. I can show you by the fact that my life is going yeah, to be utterly organized under this scripture mm-hmm. and what it says. 
it's hard for me to say, well, how do I, how do I articulate the reasons of my faith? Especially when the faith is a jump, you know. Mm. Um, I think that's part of where the trickiness lies. So it's like, well, I want to give you some reasons of why, like how I see these things processing. But that's like what you were saying, like, well, you, that's, you know, historically, that's not how this, or uh, you're, you're going on these authorities. I'm truly not. It's just when you ask me, well, where did, where did this, you know, how did, how do you, or how, who came up with these things? Well, that, I see a growing consensus. You wind the, up oh, talking that, about the means. But that's not where even I'm, even if that's, that's not, not where my root. heart's going. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Because my heart's going to be on, I'll show you my faith by how I organize my yeah. entire life under the scripture I find it's authoritative. Even James saying, like, I dare you, show me your faith without mm-hmm. your works. Mm-hmm. Like, try it, bucko. Mm-hmm. I'll show you my faith by my works. Mm-hmm. But, like, I dare you to try to show me your faith without the way that you live. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that, that that's going to be it, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the tree and the fruit. Mm-hmm. So Could I raise a question that probably doesn't have a succinct answer that could maybe be brought up on another time yeah just to have it on record so kind of going along this same path of thinking something that you brought up earlier made me think of this about like you were saying how you know regardless of people having these other extra biblical books in general the majority of people would agree on the 66 books as canon right so uh, going along that if even with everyone agreeing on that there are so many denominations now that mm-hmm. even though they agree on those books, there's there's so much um, that is separating us from believing the same things mm. about those books, mm-hmm. even even if most would agree on those specific mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. So that is where it's like, why is there that separation? Mm-hmm. And can that be parsed out in any real way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially kind of going back to what Eric said, like if we're all claiming that we're being led by the Spirit, right. well, the Spirit is not leading us mm-hmm. all down these different right, roads. Exactly. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that's yeah. definitely something I'd love to bring yeah. up in a, in and a different I, podcast. And I think I've really, like, I've really enjoyed this time. I love to to not just sit and be like, oh, here are my thoughts. I hope that no one questions. Like, I want to I wanna know. Yeah. I, I want to think through these things. And I challenged. think one of the, the great things, like what you were talking about, is, so no one's used... In general, I know there's always exceptions, but for the most part, the 66 books every Christian tradition has used. Some have used more. So for me, it's like, should I have used more? I'm comfortable enough with the fact that, and this may just be a separate point um, or totally unrelated, but it's, to me, it's like, I'm comfortable with the fact that no Eastern Orthodox is saying, hey, we should use, you know, this Gospel of Thomas Gnostic Gospel. No Catholic is saying, you know, we should use the Bhagavad Gita from the Hindu. Like, <laughs> yeah. there is, there's, even in all the differences, there, it's impressive to me the amount of conformity. Yeah. Um, all of the canons have the 66 books yeah. in them. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, do we add or do we keep, yeah. keep it? Yeah. Maintain. Yeah. Maintain. yeah, maintain it or add books to. And so, like I said, I'll read the Apocrypha. It doesn't, mm. it, again, it doesn't scream out to me. There's yeah, the Apocrypha to seems me. to Dan like the book of uh, the Song of Solomon seems yeah. to you, Eric. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. seem like I get application well, the, from and the Apocrypha seems the same way too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this was uh, great. Uh, this is like probably the first time that you and I, Dan, have gone at it at this level. Gone toe-to-toe. It was nothing personal. It was actually... I like to get sharpened. You know what I mean? No worries. Same. Yeah, Same. that was. Mm-hmm. I just. I feel like it was awesome. Because now I want to go back and read some of my my history. Because I'm like, oh, I need to get. I need to refresh on some of that. It's like sparring. 
you know? We can do this. It's tough because it's, like it's not cut up a little bit, but you're like, ah, oh, man, I got my skills. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's great. Or, no, and it's awesome. And that's something with history that gets really tough is you want, you think it's just going to be this like list of dates, but there are differing kind of. Yeah, kind of interpretations yeah. of history. <laughs> yeah, because there are, are some that would see this way. Some are like, we'll bring up some things. Um, so I think it's fun. Think yeah, no, great. it's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that yeah. I wasn't sure because it's the second time like the other conversations that we or is this the third time third time that yeah, yeah. the other mm-hmm. conversations were a lot more we agreed spectacle yeah and it wasn't that just, might be for the different time but i think that's yeah. part of the reason why the different different opinions and disagreements are good because they do sharpen they mm-hmm. make each of us strong there's an argument that's why i need miguel yeah there's an argument <laughs> uh for the early church that the heretics actually became a blessing because they helped solidify doctrine yeah mm-hmm. yeah I've, yeah, I've heard that before, mm-hmm. which is weird it to think, weird. like, maybe the point of your life will be, like, God will use you to bring about a heresy, and he will sharpen yeah. his bride thereby. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of scary. It's almost like uh, the times in the Bible where God says, I will make you a proverb and a byword in the mouths mm-hmm. of everyone who speaks of you. It's mm-hmm. like, maybe the point of your life is you're going to be a cautionary tale mm-hmm. that people oh, tell their kids. Yeah, yeah. Like Joel Osteen. Like not to... Joel Osteen. <laughs> or, I mean, Ravi. a lot like of Ravi Zacharias. Oh, oh, yeah. Man. Oh, my God. I was yeah. reading some of the report. It was... I'm, oof. Anyways. Yeah. But this is good. All right. Yeah. Well, we all love each other. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh... Without hesitation. Yeah, this is great, man. So, thank you all for being here. And I'll see both of you in my audience next time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.